0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to The Direct Podcast, episode 90. As we gear up for a content marathon this summer, we take a beat to rank the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We also break down the box office for Multiverse of Madness and dive into all the top news from the universes you love. Let's get
1: Truth is, we need new heroes. Thanks for the lesson. This is the way. In my culture, I am a Jedi. I am burdened with We're all villains here. Not us united. I'm a superhero.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, episode 90 of the Direct Podcast, the Julius Peppers episode. Of course, I'm your host, Ben Rimke, here with my co host, Content Machine, Liam Crowley. Liam,
2: big numbers episode today. Gonna throw a bunch of numbers in your face. How you feeling? I'm fantastic, Matt. All fueled up, ready to go with my Dunkin' Donuts Butter Pecan Coffee. Not sponsored. I just freaking love this flavor, and it's limited time. It only comes around during the summertime, and I guess the sun is shining here in Syracuse because Butter Pecan is back in business.
0: So I guess that, that kind of – you planted a flag right there between pecan and pecan. You know what I mean? That's a big one.
2: So the reason why I say Butter Pecan is because in uh, a song by Lil Uzi Vert, he says – whip it up like butter baby pecan drop and so sometimes when i order this coffee i say whip it up like butter baby pecan coffee and i just kind of like to keep it all all what's it called um canonical
0: (laughs) do you figure goods after you say that to the barista (laughs) you know
2: pecan drop (laughs) one time i ordered coffee and it came out to eight dollars and eight cents and she goes that'll be 808 and i go and heartbreak yeah and heartbreak I was like, Come on, Kanye.
0: great album, great album. That is uh, the first album I burned on a CD and had in my car. I got my car, burned 808s, threw it in there. It's a good time. It's a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, the direct podcast uh, rankings episode today. This is our third rankings episode. I think we have done one MCU ranking, one DCEU ranking Now we're going to update everybody as me and Liam rank Moon Knight and the Multiverse of Madness. We'll also be diving in to the official rankings from the direct.com, but more about that later. Very excited about it. Um, For right now, Liam, Multiverse of Madness. There's a lot to cover. We're going to talk about our final thoughts on the movie itself um, when we get to rankings and our final thoughts section. But there's so much in this movie that we have questions about moving forward, but there's also... So many questions from the fans. So let's get in to our quick question of the day from Sappho 937. That's Jake, right? I believe so. Yeah, Jake Sapphire. Yeah, big Colts fan. Um, shout out, Jake. Long time listener. Good stuff here. He says, love the podcast, guys. Everything you're doing is fantastic. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Can't wait to listen to more quick question. I just saw Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness yesterday, and I just listened to the review. Got a question about possible future characters. He didn't want to spoil it for anybody, so he shot Liam a DM. That's my kind of guy, you know? LaShawn McCoy would never. Uh, That's a really (laughs) awesome thing. Thank you for doing that. So here are, we're going to do it rapid fire style, right? Let's just run through them. Question number one. Where do you think all the characters from Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness go from here? Very broad question obviously. There's a Wanda death. There's a Doctor Strange jumping into a portal. Everybody, we got the Illuminati, Wong, America, et cetera. Liam, which one of those characters do you want to spotlight for a good prediction on where they're going next?
2: I'm going to go with my boy Wong, the sure. Wong CU, Wong Cinematic Universe. And that's because he probably has the least clear direction following Multiverse of Madness. Strange is going on his adventure with Clea, Wanda is probably, we know Wanda's not dead, but she's going to do something solo related the next time we see her, I would have to imagine. And America Chavez is training at Camarotage. We hear rumors of Wong possibly showing up As soon as She-Hulk, this dude, Benedict Wong, just putting in work in phase four. No off days for him. Um, But if he does show up in She-Hulk, what capacity? Like, how does he factor into that kind of story? So I'm most intrigued about Wong moving forward because at the end of the day, he walked into this movie, Sorcerer Supreme, and he walked out of this movie, Sorcerer Supreme. Say what you will about him being a supporting player, but in the grand scheme of the MCU, he's one of the biggest pieces right now.
0: I couldn't agree more. I love that they are keeping Wong at Sorcerer Supreme. It gives Steven more leeway to have more adventurous type stories, like we got in Multiverse of Madness. Whereas Sorcerer Supreme, you know, you have all these responsibilities. I like Wong being that guy, even though he's drinking and karaoke and all these different things. You know, he's a cool Sorcerer Supreme, you know, like a cool teacher. And I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to go to Wanda Shocker here. Um, <laughs> I think that. I, I, my, the theory that I heard over the week is something that I've been somewhat obsessed with, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you. It's a, um, have you read
2: Secret Wars, the 86? Not yet. I'm holding off. I I want to, but it's one of those ones where it's like, I don't even want to be inclined to know where this story goes before it happens. I, I'm, I haven't read the 2015 Secret Wars, but I, from what I hear,
0: the MCU is going to do 2015, not 86, because 86 is very 80s comic book stuff. Another conversation for another time. But um, the idea of Secret Wars is that it's all these different universes, all these different factions of the Marvel Universe, Fantastic Four, X-Men, Avengers, etc., all come together in some sort of battleground situation being hosted by this <laughs> Galactic Entity X in the Marvel Universe. You know, there's there's just so many of them. It's one of those, right? I, the theory is, the idea is, is that they kind of combine that idea with some overarching bad guy puppeting a Secret Wars with House of M. So Wanda being that overarching Secret Wars facilitator, doing it in a House of M style, that can be comic book gold. Um, so that's, that's a theory I'm latched onto. Nothing to show that that's going to be the case. I can't imagine that comes anytime soon. But um, that's a pretty exciting, it's a pretty exciting theory that I'm pretty excited
2: about. What about Mordo Chavez or Doctor Strange? Liam, do you have any thoughts on them? Um, Chavez, Jake's question specifically asks if she's only guaranteed to show up next in Doctor Strange 3. I don't think so. I I think we'll get her in probably a Disney Plus series just because Zochi Gomez is so attainable that's not to say she's not a great talent she obviously is but getting someone like chris evans for falcon winter soldier was always going to be a tall order because he's chris evans he's an a-list movie star who has his schedule completely booked i'm sure zochi gomez has a bunch of fun projects going on but getting her for a cameo in a disney plus series that includes a fellow future young avenger i think is super possible so i'm looking forward to seeing whatever that could be at least on the docket The one I look to being most likely probably Ironheart, just because it's the next younger hero on Disney Plus that I can think of. But outside of that, not really sure. But she's got an interesting uh, narrative moving forward because she's training to be a sorcerer while also having a very, very unique and important ability.
0: I think that what they did with America Chavez in this movie, which is, you know, the only thing they could have done, you know, they use her and her power set well, I think making her MacGuffin, but because of that, because she was so powerful that Wanda needed her, she kind of gets the Thor Hulk treatment in my mind where, you know, they need to be taken off the board to tell more interesting stories with lower-powered heroes, like Civil War. If Civil War had Hulk or Thor in it, it'd be a game-over situation. There would be a lot of talking going on. Vision's the most powerful, you know, person in that airport battle, you know, besides Wanda, but not Wanda at that point. And he didn't show up till halfway through, you know what I mean? So I don't know if Zochio Zo- uh, Gomez as America Chavez is somebody that can just pop up and use her powers because it needs to be a multiverse project. What about Loki season two? Oh, that could be fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the, some situation where Loki and Mobius kind of get back on the same page. I love that. We're going to get to see that again, but, um, and you know, they need somebody to help them sneak behind Kang's back. You know, I feel like America Chavez could be that person. That's a, that could be fun. I think that could be a really fun time. And ladies and gentlemen, that has been, your quick question remember if you leave a five-star apple podcast review and drop a question in that comment we will have it right here on the top of the show thank you so much jake and thank you so much everyone who supports the podcast we can't do this without you and you know because you showed up because you came here for a reason let's give it to you all the top news from the universes you love this is a real
2: The newest trailer for the next era of the MCU has arrived, and fans are now gearing up for Miss Marvel, another showcase of the altered powers paired with a response from the Marvel Man with a hat. We will break down all the controversies surrounding Miss Marvel's powers.
0: And as Miss Marvel starts a brand-new cosmic journey in the MCU, the veteran franchise of that branch has wrapped filming. James Gunn has announced on Twitter that Guardians 3 has been filmed, and,
2: quote, that is a wrap. On the Guardians trilogy. Moving into some Disney Plus sequel news, Loki season two is set to begin production on June 6th, less than a month away. Tom Hiddleston and friends will be back as well as some new faces behind the scenes. And moving over to the blue brain, an exciting costume update from Black Adam. The best
0: look yet at the upcoming JLA Superhero Cyclone has been revealed. This project
2: has a sneaky suit potential and a very well-dressed DCEU. And finally, in news from a galaxy far, far away, Ahsoka has officially begun production. Announced on social media, one of the most beloved Star Wars characters of all time will finally be receiving her own live action series.
0: And And for everything you need to know about the universes you love, make sure to check out thedirect.com.
2: What about the people in the back? I'm sorry you pointed to me. I thought I was taking it.
0: It's okay. I thought that I was gonna do this part, but I've never done this part. I was a little worried. I couldn't do the faint voice, like from Venom in the Apparatus Butler. That is the direct.com. <laughs> <laughs> Have
2: we ever done that in reverse? I don't. I don't know.
0: Have like, I, I, I ever been the person in the
2: back? <laughs> well, it, it depends on it depends on the morning. You know, my voice has been resurrected, but the pollen allergies catch up to me every single time I open my eyes, and sometimes yeah. like I can't get to, to that octave. I think I did it today though.
0: Yeah, No, you crushed it. You absolutely, I, I thought you were two rooms back. I really did. Okay, I really did. But you know, in reality, you're across the country. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is all your top news. Head over to the direct.com. We got a lot of great stuff coming out about all the universes, but specifically, so much Moon Knight, so much Multiverse of Madness content. Um, a lot of exclusive interviews and a lot of exclusive stories there. It's very exciting right now over on the freshly updated direct.com. very exciting stuff liam power gate i'm naming it don't care power gate um it's low-key one of the more controversial stories in comic book movies right now and i know that sounds dramatic but there's not a ton going on Um, so um miss marvel's powers uh we got a new trailer um didn't have the energy of the first one but i thought the vibes held true um couldn't be more excited for this just because i mean Vianney seems to be um, all the way bought in and just another feather in the cap of young, charismatic, awesome actors in the MCU. What did you think of the new trailer?
2: It was fun. It was fine. Um, I'm very much tampering my expectations for this show. Not because I don't think it's going to meet a MCU level of quality, but just because this is a, is admittedly going to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi coming out uh, the first three weeks of its first three episodes. We also have the boys season three dropping as well as stranger things. The first half of that season, there's a lot of content right now. And just seeing those three shows and including miss Marvel in there as a fourth, I'm sorry, but I think I stand with the general consensus of fans where miss Marvel is fourth on that list. And it's not to say that we're not excited for the show. We absolutely are, but the other shows are just so much more consequential. There's so there's so much more culminating and this is very much a smaller coming of age story for a future young Avenger and I'm about it I'm glad it's happening my most intrigued aspect of this show is Avengers Con because we're getting all these teases that we're going to get to go to a Comic Con like convention but set around the Avengers and the Avengers actually exist and to get to see we got a little taste of the cosplayers and Hawkeye Uh, I believe it was with Ant-Man was in New York City and there was another Mm -hmm. Avenger there as well to get to see different iterations and maybe have some campy comic accurate suits as well is going to be awesome this show is going to be chock full of easter eggs and i'm all about that but yeah it's it's a fine trailer it, it it's selling me i'm gonna watch it because it's priority viewing it's stuff we cover and i'm glad it's getting released don't get me wrong but it's it's hard to drum up excitement when homelanders coming back at the same time sure Sure. I'm not a big boys guy. Maybe I can, you know, uh, maybe I can binge it
0: before the next season comes out. Um, I'm jacked as all hell for Stranger Things though. And obviously obi Wan's going to be.
2: You want to talk about, you want to talk about a killer trailer. Jesus
0: Christ. That's a good trailer. A lot of great trailers coming out right now. Avatar, one of them. That's another question, but um, it's, it's really interesting uh, that you say that because you're right. Because the boys season three, right? Yes. Season three, so a very culminating feeling for uh, you know a very beloved show. Obviously, Obi Wan coming back has a sense of resolution that we've all been craving, and this is the final season of Stranger Things. So, <laughs> culminating as it can be, I think that Miss Marvel might be a refresher during this content run we're going to get here in June, as you know, really the only uh, comic IP is not the right word, but like you know fandom IP um, that isn't some sort of like, oh, everything's finally happening. This is a new character. We're not meeting many new characters in these other shows besides like Camille Nanjiani or the Inquisitors and Star Wars. That's kind of a different thing. Um, so I am I think it could be a refreshing palate cleanser in this busy schedule. It's also going to be, does, how's the boys release?
2: Is it three to a time like Invincible uh, was? I think it'll be three episodes upon premiere and then weekly. That's how it was for season two at sure. least. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh it'll be interesting to see the schedule of all of it,
0: you know, because we know Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel are gonna kinda eat each other a little bit, but um strange, stranger things people are gonna watch in two days. You know, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a come and gone situation. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited. To, um Power Gate. Mm-hmm. It is something that I am excited to um, research on more and be on the other side. Uh, I haven't yet. um, Got a little busy, but um, tonight, today, this week, whatever, I'm going to start reading the Miss Marvel comics. I haven't read them yet. All I know about her is what I've read in Young Avengers, what I've seen online, and also um, what I've played in the Avengers video game, which avengers con in the video game is just so fun and i can't wait to see it this first episode is going to be slap city like you know nobody's going to be upset with the first episode because avengers con alone but um with the powers for those who don't know and it, it'd be interesting if somebody's listening to this podcast and doesn't know um her powers in the show are obviously much more cosmic based with more of a Green Lantern vibe, replicating her and Began Powers from the comics. Big hand, stretchy limbs still there, but a cosmic extension of herself instead of an actual rubbery plastic um, Mr. Fantastic style thing. Many comic book fans are upset because you know this isn't the origin story that they've read. This isn't the origin story they've fallen in love with. I understand that. I sympathize with that. I get that. Here's where I lay on it. And... Um, it's it's a situation where I guess I understand being upset about it I don't understand the reasoning behind it and primarily that reasoning is because many comic book readers believe that if you don't have the Mr. Fantastic rubber stretchy body part aspect of Kamala Khan then you are unable to tell her true origin story which is a body image issue that's kind of the Miss Marvel characters, body image issues and overcoming that and becoming your own person and comfortable in your own skin. Love that. Can't wait to see that in the MCU. The idea for me that you that is that it is impossible to tell that story without the stretchy Mr. Fantastic powers. I just don't get how that's so black and white. I just don't get the stark um, stance behind that. But again, I haven't read the comics. I'm excited to read and learn more. Liam, where do you stand at this point? on Powergate before I read you a couple quotes from the showrunners
2: okay where I'm at right now is we're going to take you back to my mindset in 2013 uh, 2013 only two Marvel films were released and the first one that came out uh, was a little film called Iron Man 3 a uh, very contentious very polarizing film and I found that a lot of people hate it or a lot of people just lost it as soon as the twist happened, where the Mandarin was no more than an actor, Trevor Slaughtery and all that, and the real man behind the curtain, I panicked, but then I handled it, the real man behind the curtain uh, was Aldridge Killian, played by Guy Pierce. And a lot of people, as soon as that moment happened, a switch flipped and they just refused to enjoy the second half of the film because... The Mandarin in the comics is Iron Man's biggest enemy. I don't think anyone is debating that. You can say maybe Thanos in Avengers runs and Iron Man is leading the charge there. But in terms of solo Iron Man stories, you don't get much bigger than the Mandarin. He's also a a villain that evolves into an Avengers villain. There's some runs, I wrote an article recently, where the Mandarin takes over the world and my Iron Man has to kind of lead an Avengers charge to bring him down. So we obviously saw an evolution of that character in Shang-Chi. So I feel like a lot of those... Worries or anger might have been quenched a little bit, but the point is it came eight years after the fact. Uh, I saw a video way back when, when Iron Man 3 came out uh, from one of my inspirations on YouTube, Jeremy John's who mentioned how he did not mind the Mandarin twist, but he understood the frustration because the Mandarin is Iron Man's Joker. And if you go into the Dark Knight and all of a sudden Joker was just a publicity stunt and Harvey Dent was really pulling the strings behind the scenes the whole time, people would be upset and people would look at the Dark Knight very, very differently. And even though it might've been good execution on paper or good execution on screen, people might just be like, ah, well, that's not the Joker that we know and love. We hate this movie. So Miss Marvel, I feel a very similar thing to where they're changing this character. And I feel like a lot of people are not going to allow themselves to enjoy this show because they're making such a fundamental change to who she is. But at the same time, I was not a Mandarin fanboy in 2013. I didn't mind the twist. At the same time, I understand people who love that character, who were let down by it, and I understand their mindset as to why they couldn't enjoy the film. I had the same selfish mindset in Thor Ragnarok. I wanted something else. I got something different and I didn't allow myself to enjoy it. And I wish I did. I really, I really do. That's why I'm going into Thor Love and Thunder with a fresh mindset. Cause I want to enjoy these films, man. Marvel films That's only come around three or four <laughs> times a year. You know, no one wants to be a Debbie Downer about these things. Same thing with Miss Marvel. I understand everyone who grew up reading Miss Marvel comics. And I say grew up because even though she's a fresh character People who read her when she was first being established in the early 2010s are now at that age now where, up oh, we're teenagers and we're excited to see her brought to the big screen and it's not the one we recognize. At the same time though, my favorite aspect about these characters are the humans behind them it's the conversations they have it's that god damn it she's a kid give me a break the the conversations (laughs) are the best parts of that movie you know like when we get to see Tony Stark and Steve Rogers chopping wood and dishing it out like two grown men rather than putting on the suits and going a few rounds that's the stuff I love the most so if Miss Marvel Kamala Khan is going to be true to Kamala Khan in the comics I think that's the thing you have to nail the most beyond the power set uh, making her more like Captain Marvel is only going to make her being in the Marvels that much easier. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I understand the frustration, but I also think you're foolish if you're going to alienate, alienate yourself just because they made one. It, I'm not even gonna call it a minor change. It's a significant change. And I get your frustration and your grievances. They recently cast uh, a, a black girl as Annabeth Chase for the Percy Jackson series. And in the, in the books, she's written as a Caucasian blonde is that going to make me like not enjoy the show? No, she's the best actress for the role. They auditioned thousands and thousands of people. And a lot of people on social media right now are are spewing hate because she doesn't look like the character they imagined when they read the books. So what? We're going to adapt the character regardless. And it's, there's going to be changes. There's always changes when stuff goes from the page to live action. And that's a bit of a ramble, but I don't know. I just, I hate the idea of not allowing yourself to enjoy something because it's not, 100% 100% a reflection of what you read on the page. Not everything works on the page. Right. And I, I agree with you. I think that it's, it,
0: it's less for me, and it's less for me about people being upset about the power change. It's more so the stance that um, there's no reason to do it like like everybody is saying they're doing this for absolutely no reason and and they're doing it just to piss us off like I, I know people aren't saying that blatantly but to say that there's no reason to do this I, I mean I I'm looking at two quotes from Kevin Feige and co-creator Santa amanet We're uh, amanet. Amanet?
2: Sonia to we're gonna, bad, we're gonna figure it I... out in the next coming weeks yeah
0: we are <laughs> sure. um Kevin Feige, the man himself, in response to the power set thing, he says, we adapt the comics. comics. It's not an exact translation. Kamala came out in a very specific time within the comic book continuity. She is now coming out in a very specific time within the MCU continuity. And those two things didn't match. What we will learn about where these powers come from and how they come from is specific to the MCU. So as far as there's no reason to do it, She is going to be a major player in a very cosmic intergalactic movie next year. They wanted to give her more of a cosmic tie to make her fit better in that movie. And I understand the response to that immediately is, well, she's stretchy in the comics and she can be in space. Stretchy and in space in live action is going to look goofy. Like it's, it's, it's not a earned thing for this type of character yet. So they wanted to just make her more organically fit with those characters. Sonia with the co-creator of the show, she had a very awesome long quote that I think is going to win a lot of people over. I can't wait for people to read the article over on the direct.com. But um, the excerpt I pulled out is it's really fun to give Kamala different kinds of powers that feel big in scope and cinematic in a different way. Way. We can do a lot of fun things with her. I don't want to spoil too much about how she uses her powers, but they're fun and bouncy. At the same point, the essence of what the powers are in the comics is there, both from a metaphorical standpoint and from a visual standpoint. We're doing the fists. We're doing the elements that make her feel and look kind of crazy, but also really, really cool. I think it's going to be familiar to people, but at the same time, a different and fresh and unique way. We're getting the big fist hand. We're getting the stretchy arms. We're going to get all those different things. It's just going to look more cosmic than not. But my biggest thing I took away, it is so it's, easy is not the right word, but it's, I think it's silly to say you can't tell a body image story without giant, gross, um, you know, and begging powers getting in the way. I think if they, if they tell a good body image story, then what's the problem? You know what's the issue? I think it, I I just I I'm excited to see how it plays out. Excited to see how people react. I just hope and implore anybody who's a Miss Marvel comics fan, which I am about to become. She seems like a Soka, right? You know, you hear about her as everybody's favorite, you know, character, but you never really understand until you see it, and you're like, oh, I get it. She's a badass. Um, that that too long on Miss Marvel, maybe. I'm just I'm I'm so interested at the discourse of this. Because um, as an MCU fan, I think we're we're all very excited. As comic fans, not just not excited, upset. So um speaking of upset, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha nailed it. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is wrapped filming. I'm not upset because of wrapped filming, because that movie's gonna be a banger, and I cannot wait for it to come out next year. But James Gunn says, quote, the Guardians trilogy has wrapped liam we've talked about this on the show before i'm sure let's just go back to it do you believe this is the end of the james gunn
2: guardians era in the marvel cinematic universe well for starters of course the trilogy is wrapped because it's the third film and trilogy means nailed it so (laughs) of course (laughs) that this is the end of that trilogy the same way civil war was the end of the steve rogers trilogy does that mean captain america the franchise is done no we're getting cap four with sam wilson does it mean guardians of the galaxy as an IP is done, I find that very hard to believe. I think maybe in this next era, rather than calling it volume four, we might get some subtitles. And that kind of shifts the focus of the volumes where James Gunn's babies, and now we're gonna do Guardians of the Galaxy, something something adam warlock like i, I don't EP. know like exactly like i i don't know hey, guardians of the galaxy ep guardians of the galaxy the mixtape honestly yeah. drop that um yeah. guardians of the galaxy unreleased soundcloud beats let's let's the drought let's, <laughs> the, guardians the galaxy the drought let's get that going but yeah out of what the roster looks like moving forward i really don't know i think there's going to be a lot of death in this movie uh dave batista is teasing that this could be his last time playing drax And I would believe him because he just seems a little burnt out from the Marvel movies. He's someone who, you know, when wrestlers translate to Hollywood, a lot of them, like The Rock and John Cena, strive for the big blockbuster action-driven IPs. Batista has always seemed like someone who likes doing some more of the art house films. He's been in Blade Runner. He's been in James Bond. He's been in Dune. Like I think he wants to do more independent projects moving forward. And I think he's a little burnt out from Marvel. So uh, maybe Drax dies. Maybe Drax is retired. Maybe Drax goes back to his home world. We don't know what happens with Star-Lord moving on from here. How is Gamora going to get brought back into the fold? Either way, I find it very hard to believe they're going to wrap The narrative of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise in this movie because there's so many players. It's so much easier to have Iron Man 3, theoretically, the way that movie ends, he doesn't ever have to come back into the fold. He retires, he throws his arc reactor into the ocean, and that's it. And then they bring him back and they explain it and all that. But because we have like eight or nine players on the board here, it would seem a little convenient for all of their stories to be wrapped at once. So I think this will be the concluding chapter for some, but really just the beginning for a lot more.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, just speaking on that Iron Man 3 comparison a little bit, I hope they don't play it like a goodbye, but we can explain them back if we want. Because that I mean, that's a big issue I have with Iron Man 3 is that the final act does feel like a goodbye where in theaters at the time and also on rewatch. I just know it's not. So it doesn't hit very well for me. But um, as far as like bringing these characters back, I mean, the Guardians IP is Disney plus gold. I think, you know, with, with so many different creative locations and factions, you can build off of it. The budget's going to be a question, but I mean, we, we'll, we'll see what happens with this. Marvel probably the most heavy CGI Disney plus show so far. Aside Loki, from She-Hawk. I guess. Yeah. She-Hawk. Yeah, no, you're right. She-Hawk is definitely going to be She-Hawk, but I mean, look at how beautiful the TVA was in Loki and how amazing the sets were. We have our comments on Lamentus. It's not how Lamentus looks, it's how Lamentus feels, that we don't like. And, um, and that's a different thing. So um, obviously I want to see James Gunn keep making these movies. I don't think he's going to. Um, I think this is going to be him saying goodbye to this IP. Um, you know, he'll have executive producer opportunities forever with Marvel, not just with Guardians. Any movie he wants to be executive producer on, they will give it to him because he is the brain that they want in the room. Um, so as far as where this movie's going to go as far as deaths and stuff, yeah, Drax is, you know, probably number one death candidate. Um, you know, Groot's died twice. What are we going? How are we going to feel about that? All these different things. The idea that we're going to focus on Rocket here makes me think that I know this movie's going to be funny. I like James Gunn humor. He's made four comic book projects that I find genuinely hilarious. So I'm just going to trust it's going to be funny if they focus on Rocket here and the emotional turmoil of him it's gonna be a sad movie liam (laughs) this is going to be like it was quill in the first one it was yondu in the second one now you know here we're at with rocket finally getting his story fleshed out i am worried for our sweet boy liam black adam has released a picture of cyclone this is a little mini capes and tights segment
2: right here did you get a chance to check out the picture I saw the suit, um, nothing too different from the little Black Adam footage we got in that celebration of 2022 DC films that turned out to be a complete and utter lie. Um, but yeah, Cyclones. Stupid thing they did. So stupid. Cyclones um, suit, not too familiar with the character in the comics. So my biggest um, point of comparison is just the thumbnail of seeing her on the page versus her in live action it seems like a pretty true translation. So all you Cyclone diehard fans out there, however many exist, I think you're going to be satisfied with this adaptation. And it's always good to see some color in DC films. Obviously, we're, we've come a long way from Batman v Superman. But it is just nice to remember that, you know, there's, there's brightness to be had. And uh, even the Suicide Squad in 2016, for some of the colors that popped in the daytime as soon as we got to the battles at night everything kind of had a bleaker palette over it this movie looks uh vibrant which is a good thing I I don't have too much faith in the quality because of the delays and everything but hey I'm I'm looking for dumb fall blockbuster fun and these suits look like it's going to deliver on that front
0: Absolutely. I've always liked the suits in the DCEU, Uh, the Joss Whedon Justice League aside, because after seeing Snyder Cut, he straight up just painted over the black suit from what he filmed. And it just looked bad. But um, as far as, you know, the suits in the MCU, I'm really a big fan of what I like about this one with Cyclone is like they they seem to be embracing the baggy sleeves flowing skirt thing. So when she does use her powers, I hope her suit is a big part of that you know we get to really see how much is going on around her she's like a tornado lady yeah like yeah uh yeah, the yeah. daughter of red tornado if i'm not mistaken naturally you know uh you know one of my all-time faves but um i'm uh, excited accept-
2: no red tornado uh uh-uh. that's the dude he's from justice league unlimited he was sick i don't remember him he's, the he's, he's dc vision basically love it yeah it's
0: awesome <laughs> that's awesome um uh, so, yeah, I'm excited for the suit to hopefully play a part in her power set, which is something I always uh, appreciate in these types of movies. Liam Ahsoka has begun production. Um, I talked about her earlier with Miss Marvel. Ahsoka straight up was um, me learning that i need to listen to people when they tell me how great a character is because you hear all the time from star wars fans who watch the animated stuff how great ahsoka is i've heard that for you know like the last 10 years or whatever at this point and um you know obviously i I never said no she's not because i had never seen it but i'd never understood what the big deal was three and a half four seasons of clone wars she is a top tier character in the star wars franchise she's awesome obviously what we've seen from rosaria dawson so far in the in the uh Uh, Mandalorian franchise has been sick people forget her introduction into the Mando franchise with the double white lightsabers coming out of the dark with the hood come on man that's badass um production has begun want to get a hype check from you um they released the director's chair with the logo and the Dave Filoni hat hanging off the side very cool um you know what what's your where's our hype levels right now for Ahsoka as it begins production yay it's happening
2: Yay. Oh yeah. I mean the reason why I say that is because I feel like Star Wars, we, we say this all the time. I believe we ranted about it on what, what day was it? There was a day we, we were where it was ahead of an a, of an investor call or a Disney Plus day or something where we were like, please don't announce any projects unless you actually have production schedules ready and waiting and you know when this stuff is going to happen we have barely heard any updates on the acolyte we don't know what's happening with lando is it animated is it live action is it donald glover is it billy d williams who knows ahsoka actually filming now and and staying true to its release schedule and hopefully being ready to air as soon as sometime in 2023 is such a good thing and my anticipation i i haven't fallen in love with the character yet but I do know Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to be in this in some capacity, and his live action translation is going to be amazing. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for this show. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm just glad it's actually getting rolling on production.
0: Couldn't agree more. I was, I was racking my brain to think of a Marvel comparison for when like they tease a project that we are instantly excited about. Um, and I was thinking like 10 rings, that kind of thing. That was a really exciting reveal. But you know what the best example is? Book of Boba Fett. You know, at the end of Bando 2, when we get the Book of Boba Fett logo at the very end of that show, we are all jacked for Book of Boba Fett. And, you know, it happened. It came. It went. And, um, you know, all these different things. But it's just I am so deflated on excitement for Star Wars stuff because it's been two years of one show.
2: And uh, that's that's kind of upsetting. We're still getting Ahsoka in Obi-Wan, aren't we? Definitely. Yeah, Even if it's a post-credit scene or, or a title card logo, something like you just sparked it in my mind. Like this Obi-Wan Kenobi ends with Ahsoka 2023. I think that's something that can confidently set in stone that this show will be ready for 2023. Yeah, that's, that's going to be dope. That's going to be really cool. Because also you have the crossover with uh, Hayden Christensen. He's going to be back for exactly. Ahsoka. We don't know. Well, no, it'll just be flashbacks, I assume, because it's taking place post Return of the Jedi, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, there's a connective tissue right there. And uh, honestly, you could have flashback scenes that start as like main timeline scenes in Obi-Wan that we then get expanded upon as a flashback in Ahsoka. It's all connected, Matt. Star Wars is figuring that out. It's all connected, even though the stories take place 30 years apart absolutely
0: it's it's uh and it's interesting you know spoilers for the animated stuff there is a moment where ahsoka sees uh anakin as darth vader and they have this big epic fight so um it'll be interesting to you know because in in the animated show you, you know how it's obi-wan anakin and padme in the prequel trilogy it's obi-wan anakin and ahsoka in the series like that that's the trio those are the three jedis we focus the most on and it's about anakin uh, teaching ahsoka how to become a military leader and and develop that military mind that she needs to develop as a jedi and obi-wan's there just you know just being being all lovey-dovey really is what he's doing and it's very exciting uh the new uh obi-wan trailer was very awesome i've watched it a couple of times since last week and i'm very excited about that show Ladies and gentlemen, has been all the news from the universes you love. Let's dive back into Multiverse of Madness, our second of three times talking about that movie today. Um, But this time we're going to be talking about the revenue. We're going to be talking about the box office with our direct.com box office correspondent, Colts fan, David Thompson. Ladies and gentlemen, another movie has come and gone. Popcorn has been eaten. Tickets have been bought. Candy and soda have been consumed and it is time to break down the numbers let's look at the results on the financial side of things the box office report for Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness the first Marvel Cinematic Universe film this year not the first Marvel movie this year the first Marvel Cinematic Universe movie this year that is something that I hate saying out Loud, William. Big movie. Big numbers. lot to handle. A lot of things to move around. Me and you, two strapping young men. We can push this thing if we really try, but let's get some help. Let's get a third shoulder in to get this thing up the hill. Ladies and gentlemen, our box office correspondent, the host of the Cinema Spending
1: Podcast, Colts fan, David Thompson. David. Hey, everyone. Um, happy to be here. This has been... Multiverse of Madness has been a movie that we've all been waiting for. The listeners out there, us three here talking about the box office media is coming on here um, since no way home. I think Morbius was kind of a sidestep the aforementioned Marvel movie. That's not in the MCU. That was a fun little wrinkle to throw in that abomination, but this is really the biggest so far in 2022, the biggest movie that we want to talk like the biggest box office potential to talk about. And it, It might live up to the hype. It's kind of debatable, but it's really doing well so far. Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Well, David, thank you so much for coming on. We always want to bring the experts in when there's stuff going on that, you know, I, I, me personally with these box office segments, I love learning stuff about the box office, about the numbers, about the trends, and it just, it helps me be a better movie goer and it helps me kind of gauge off the top so I can stop making terrible predictions when we do the box office prediction thing. Um, so uh, without further ado, let's dive right into it. David, will you please do me the honor? of breaking down the opening weekend numbers for Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness.
1: Okay, so Dr. Strange. First off, let's just round of applause at home. Everyone listening for Liam Crowley. He came on Cinema Spending last week. He predicted exactly the opening weekend, which was $185 million domestically. Um, Absolutely nailed it. I was way off at 205. Um, it was adjusted Monday to 187.4 because on Sunday they just, it's technically an estimate, but it's always right there. Um, it's already past 200 million now uh, in the following days, up to date. So it is a success. Now, here's the kind of thing I want to break down immediately with the domestic box office opening weekend. A lot of people uh, leading up to the movie, it was trending upward. Um, from early projections in April to when it opened up in May, it was always projecting and trending upward. And when it released, so that to me, that was that, that that's what made me predict on my podcast and on the Direct.com's article two oh five million because it was it was always trending up 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 up, and it didn't really keep going up. It kind of stopped at one hundred eighty five. Which I, there's a lot of factors obviously to the box office. Um, I would say the main one for this one is the word of mouth, the critical reviews. Um, and they're not terrible. 75% around on tomatoes right now. Uh, it's just the general word of mouth, I would say. M- made it not get to that upper echelon, fantastic two, $200 million mark. Uh, a couple things I wanted to point out. It's the, it's the 11th highest domestic opening of all time. I mean, this is a huge success. 7th for the MCU, which, do the math how many uh, MCU films are in the top 11. And... Right. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Internationally, it's doing fantastic. That to me is, I think, the main story here where this is a immediate global success. Um, as of recording, as of today, it's, gonna, it's passing $500 million globally as we speak right now. Um, opening weekend, it did two sixty five million internationally. That's mainly coming from countries South Korea, United Kingdom, and Mexico. Those were the two, these were the three leaders um, for the international box office. And just in general, it's a huge success. I had my own personal ideals for what the movie itself and what the box office could be. But taking a step back, looking back at Doctor Strange 1, making $85 million opening weekend to now, Doctor Strange 2, six years later, making over $100 million more. You have to be happy with that. Disney's ecstatic about that. And we'll see where it continues.
2: Yeah, and David, as you mentioned too, the kind of mixed reviews, I feel like did hurt the box office just a little bit. 185, 187 is still an insurmountable success, but you talked about the range being from 185 to 205. I think if it got more positive Shang-Chi, Spider-Man No Way Home level reviews, it would have eclipsed those projections like those two aforementioned movies did. We've also seen this happen before with Eternals not really having positive word of mouth. It hurt its box office projections by about 10 to 15 million dollars, under what we were expecting. And as we saw with Shang-Chi and Spider-Man 2, it wasn't just the domestic opening weekend that was helped by good reviews. It was their entire theatrical run. Obviously they went on absolute tears. Shang-Chi basically saved movie theaters as we like to say on the podcast and Spider-Man No Way Home, I believe is in the top five worldwide grosses of all time as of right now. So with that being said, kind of mixed reviews, but still a very hefty amount of box office revenue opening weekend. Do you think that this movie has legs? And if so, what do you think we're on track for worldwide final gross?
1: I would say worldwide final gross. We're already we're, we're surpassing half a billion. I think I'm going to stick to my original prediction, which is 1.1 billion. That's where I'm sticking to um, domestically. We'll see my domestic um, prediction would be lower than I initially had it. But in general, um, I think it'll still get that billion dollar mark, which let's have some, a little perspective. Um, look. I wrote about this uh, on Sunday when the first initial report came out for Disney Marvel studios, 2021 was shaky at best, right? Like widow, Shang-Chi and Eternals. It was shaky for everyone though. Everyone was experimenting. Everyone was trying to figure out what to stream, what to put in theaters were theaters safe. People didn't know what to do. And all the box office numbers were subpar to our standards to our 2019 standards for sure. Then Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. For Sony, booming, unbelievable success in the green. Marvel Studios and Disney only get a quarter of those earnings, right? That was their initial deal, that they would put up a quarter of the money, 25%, and then they would receive 25%. So it's still great for them, right? It's still fantastic, but they're not getting all of that. They're not reaping all of the monetary benefits that they are now from a Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So I think just for a little perspective, like there's a lot of weight on this movie from that pr- point of view, because there was three MCU movies in 2021, which didn't live up to the normal 2020 Earth, sorry, the normal MCU standards. And this one, a May release, first time in three years, it's doing great. And what it's going to do in the future, I would say for week two, I have it dropping about 60%. Um, I could see a world where it drops further, uh, based on word of mouth, but I'm at ba- about 60%, which might sound steep, but that still makes it, has it grossing 70, about $75 million next week uh, or this, this upcoming weekend, which I think is very fair. And I think that's around where it will be. Um, and like I said before, uh, I think about, oh, it'll cross that billion dollar mark, I hope. And we'll see. I mean the Batman in 2022 didn't get really near there. So it all depends. I think one thing to factor into with the legs you mentioned, Liam is there being a little I don't know if you guys have read anything differently, but they're not really being clear as how long this is going to be in theaters for, um, which I think is a smart move by studios in these upcoming this year and maybe even next. Where is it coming out in streaming in 45 days? Should I wait? I don't know. if There's that question right now for multiverse mess I think people it's being marketed as in theaters and we have no idea how long it's going to be in theaters for without vod and disney plus and the rest of it because right now everything's being shaken up all over hollywood every studio
0: yeah and and it's such an interesting thing with just the state of hollywood the state of movies the state of the box office because of the COVID 19 pandemic and because of the um the way we waded back into theaters before shang chi saved everything Um, You know, the the theater window is shorter and people, general moving fans are under the understanding this is going to come out on streaming sooner rather than later compared to what it used to be. Do I need to go or not? And that's where that word of mouth thing really comes into play in a big way. If people aren't ranting and raving about the movie like they did with Shang-Chi, then people are going to do that risk reward calculation in their head i just want to point out a little preview into our direct ranking segment coming up you know there are three movies in the bottom half of our ranking that hit a billion dollars and that is captain marvel iron man 3 and avengers age of ultron word of mouth did not stop those three movies from getting to that billion dollar mark despite being in the bottom half of at least our websites mcu consensus rankings david you know you've seen the movie we've seen the movie we've reviewed the movie you've reviewed the movie how do you see the just the the conversation around multiverse of madness playing in to the box office throughout the month of may especially knowing the saw coming up in theaters
1: yeah that's the thing i think it will own i mean next week making 75 million that's great that's a great opening for a ton that's an amazing opening for a ton of movies for an mcu second weekend that's a very good Um, second weekend for Multiverse of Madness. I do think it will have a significant impact. Um, I think my 60% drop from week one to week two is actually maybe conservative. I think there might be a steeper drop um, coming up this weekend. We'll see though. I don't know. I saw it twice in theaters. There's a lot that I enjoy about the movie. Um, I have my critiques. I get the critiques for it. I get why someone wouldn't recommend it necessarily. Um, But in general, this is a movie the it's been the next since I would say since no way home where everyone has gone out to see it. Like at least initially opening weekends, like, Oh, we have to go see it. Obviously it was more so if no way home, but that was a very, very special case. Um, But in general, it's like, Hey, may MCU movie, let's go multiverse. That sounds awesome. That sounds spectacular. And I think a part of it is your own expectations, The, the consumer, the moviegoers own expectations, which I think I'll be honest. I think after no way home, They're just through the roof now because No Way Home, I think delighted and just surprised everyone that went and saw that. And it was just a pure delight for most movie fans that went and saw that. And it's like, okay, let's go do that again. Right. But not everything's No Way Home. Um, No Way Home had unbelievable legs. And Multiverse of Madness is not as lucky as No Way Home was where they only have a few weeks until Top Gun comes out which once Top Gun hits and then once Jurassic World comes after, I mean, it, it's done for Multiverse of Madness. So we'll see. I do think there will be an overall negative effect though.
0: And I think that um, it's just so crazy to think about how much the schedule really matters. This is why uh, dates move so much. You know, if Multiverse of Madness was this no way home thing where, you know, we all saw it, it was everything we expected it to be. And we're telling everyone that we know to go see it in theaters. Now, I will say this is a movie you should see in theaters. It's yeah. big, it's colorful, it's so loud, and you know, something you should definitely see on a big screen, but it's not the quality of the movie driving people in. The fact that multiverse the fact that No Way Home didn't have Top Gun and Jurassic Park to deal with is um, you know, it it makes you wonder. You know, I I kind of want to look back. At Captain Marvel, Iron Man 3, and Age of Ultron and see what movies they ran into, or if they didn't ha- if they had a clear runway throughout their uh throughout their run. I know 2013, 2015, and 20. 20- I mean, obviously Captain Marvel had a pretty big movie run into it with Avengers Endgame.
2: <laughs> Age of got? Ultron actually had Jurassic World now that I think about it. The first Jurassic World movie came out in June 2015. June. Yeah.
0: That's interesting because mm-hmm. you know, widely considered the worst Avengers movie had the resurgence of one of the biggest. IPs of all time, and it's still got that 1.4. Now we know Avengers movies are built different. It's just when you with that that conversation about legs is so much different
2: now than it was even you know five, six years ago. Yep. And Age of Ultron's domestic opening weekend was 101 191 million dollars. So we might see like history literally repeat itself with with yeah. a Jurassic World movie stopping a Avengers-ish movie. Which did around 185, 190 opening weekend. That's crazy. Is Jurassic Park the only thing that can stop Wanda Maxwell?
1: Chris
0: Pratt, Ultron, Multiverse of Madness,
1: Wanda Projects. Come
2: on, that's, Savage that's Lands was saying. teased in the movie itself. So there you go. There, <laughs> there it is.
1: Well, one Love thing it. I do want to mention on all of this is it is important to note that that is the 20. Think about it. This 2015 box office. This is now 2021 or 2022. Excuse me. Where there's been a recent study came out. may be gone from the movie-going experience in theaters. They may never come back to going to the movies. Um, The box office itself, the overall box office of 2022 so far, is a little over 50% of what it was up to this point in 2019. Now, that's not like per movie, but just in general. And that's just a testament to how many people are really going out to theaters on a regular basis, which I think is a factor in all this, too, when it comes to legs specifically. Um, we've seen a few movies where it started off hot and just boom, done because of the streaming factor.
0: I've been watching a lot of first tape lately, so I'm sorry if this seems combative, but just to kind of like, you know, is 2019 the best benchmark? I I ask that because obviously two billion dollar Marvel movies within this time uh, in 2019, where does 2019 rank on like most successful box office years? Or is it one of those things where like every, the next year is the best year
1: for a it's, while? It's an excellent point. 2019 is the gold standard for the box yeah. office. Is it an anomaly it, maybe? Um, I don't know about an, an anomaly, but it was growing to that point, I would say, where 2019 was like there was so much success, so much money to be made at the box office, record setting in general. But it was growing to that point, and we are still – we're digging ourselves out of this hole still. It's, it's critical to continue to think that sure. way because just – how many movies are even playing in theaters? As compared to what it was in 2019, is completely different. Never mind how much money they were making.
2: Yeah, 2015 is up there too because Beyond Avengers and Beyond Jurassic World, we oh, have yeah. Force Awakens, which was a Force juggernaut. In December. I'm pretty sure Furious Seven was also that year. There's there's a wild statistic about how many seventh installments came out in 2015. Creed was up there too, technically being the seventh Rocky movie that was released in 2015. Like I mentioned, Furious Seven. Jurassic World, the first one which eclipsed yeah. Avengers, it was the highest grossing opening did amazing. of all time. Yeah, yeah. It, it beat Avengers's Avengers One's opening weekend box office record, which is one crazy. of the best trailers Jurassic it's World 20, 2015, 2019, and honestly, sneakily 2018, too, because that in the first half had Black Panther and Infinity War. You know, first five yeah. months yeah. alone, both did over a billion,
0: and Pixar had a run
2: there. In, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, in there as That's
0: well, and, and obviously, were Toy Story four. I think so, yeah. One of the I two. think it was Incredibles mm-hmm. two. Either way, also had animated solo. movies not being in theaters right now, specifically Disney and Pixar, such a different vibe for just overall box office numbers, which is such a crazy thing to think about. Um, yeah. All really, like I, I'm excited for Multiverse Madness. I do hope it hits that billion because it it does just show how these big spectacle movies just bring people in this to me speaks to just how good no way home was because like there was no questioning like like that that was a movie that just had everything going for it and it paid off it'll be interesting to see if multiverse madness can follow it up liam do you have any other questions for david
2: about the multiverse of madness box office i'll I'll give him. i'll give him one more uh, because I, I like where we're at right now, David. On cinema spending, we chatted about where Multiverse of Madness is going to fall in terms of Marvel's box office releases this year. When it's all said and done, I think we both had it at number three, and we or two. Either way, we both expect um, it to be eclipsed. Do you still hold true to that prediction?
1: A billion percent. I agree. I wow. I I think it will definitely get eclipsed by Black Panther because on on. like clarity so on the podcast me and liam said that it was gonna be black panther number one these are the 2022 mc releases box office black panther multiverse of madness then thor i think multiverse of madness has a chance of being number three now i had it at two um i am fully confident because i i genuinely believe that there will be more of a wait thor is really good and this is just the this is a just what i suspect wait Thor is really good and then then people go out and see it this was this was super hot to begin with and I do I see it getting cool really quick where it's like let's have everyone go see this we have the expectations like the expectations were at no way home levels and then it's like oh that wasn't quite no way home I think it I think it could switch a little bit where I definitely I definitely believe Black Panther will beat this overall global box office and I think Thor might too
0: It's, uh, man, Thor's going to be such a big one just because it's the opposite, but it isn't the opposite until we see the movie, but how many common MCU fans favorite MCU movies, is Ragnarok? you know, just because it is so fun. And, you know, that's, that's going to create such a buzz as we get up there. Plus just the people supporting it. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming up and letting us know what's going on with the numbers. I can't wait to see where this one lands. I think by the end of the month, we'll have our idea, and then, you know, it's Top Gun season, and then we're on to just popcorn, popcorn, popcorn for the rest of the summer. Very exciting for all of us. David, where can the people find you, read you, and listen to you talk about the numbers of the universes you love?
1: Yeah, and find me on Twitter at David Thompson. That's two A's in David. Um, find me also writing articles for the direct.com. Uh, I've written up reports just recently on Dr. Strange and Multiverse of Madness box office with some interesting insights in there. Um, and then also Cinema Spending, my podcast, uh, which is a movie business podcast. Liam and Matt have both been on there a couple times each now. Um, so come check it out. It's a great time. I'm trying to make movie business fun for film fans. It's really the goal. Um, trying to kind of break things down in a way that makes sense, but also in a way where people that love the numbers and love box office can really dive in and have some fun with these conversations. I've had some great guests on there. So go check it out. Um, I'll be very excited to see where this ends up and all summer long, right? This is box office season. Once the summer begins. So it will be really, really interesting now in 2022 to see what happens at the box office.
0: You heard it here first folks. Go check out cinema spending. Thank you for coming on David. Liam let's rank some shit let's rank baby welcome in to my favorite thing about the universes you love rankings and i know that people there's going to be people out there and be like well why can't we just enjoy the movies why why do we have to rank everything compare everything because it's fun because it does allow us to kind of plant our flags and our favorites Um, you know, with the MCU specifically, it's easier to do rankings and not shit on other projects, more so bring other projects up to the top and praise them for what they are, which is typically awesome. Today, we will be adding two new projects to our rankings list Moon Knight on Disney Plus and Multiverse Madness, currently in theaters for a little bit more expensive than you may have thought um so basically how this is going to work me and liam have our 34 project overall rankings between movies and tv shows we're going to be ranking moon Knight, multiverse madness within those rankings so when you hear a number it's out of all 34 projects movies and tvs combined and then we'll be diving into the direct official rankings which is separated between movies and series but more on that later liam moon night has come and gone we've had a week to sit on it And, you know, we gave our overall thoughts last week. We talked about the finale a lot last week and a little bit about the show as a whole. But I want to give you an opportunity right now after sitting on it for a week, after reading Twitter, after kind of marinating. What are your final thoughts on the entire first season of Moon Knight?
2: I need to rewatch this show during a content lull because I admittedly did not enjoy this as much as I wish I did just because... I am kind of experiencing a little bit of Marvel fatigue, which is so odd, right? Because we we waited how many weeks between No Way Home and Moon Knight? Like a good almost three months, like 12 to 16 weeks, however long it was. But for whatever reason, this show just did not have the momentum that the 2021 Disney Plus releases had. And I look at our WandaVisions, our Falcon Winter Soldiers, our Lokis, they all just every single week commanded the conversation and Moon Knight, you know, flirted with that on a couple episodes, but not to, to the degree that we had last year. So this is a show that I definitely need to dive into again with an excitement. Uh, not that I didn't have an excitement, but it felt almost obligatory to to watch this every wednesday and not that i didn't want to but it being the first thing i did to start my wednesday probably if i was just watching as a fan maybe it's more of an afternoon watch so yeah uh, i i very much enjoyed it i love what they did with uh the character study of mark Spector, steven grant and even jake lockley at the end and i'm looking forward to seeing how he factors into the greater mcu moving forward because that's something i love Uh, about this show is how much it committed to being standalone how much it committed to only name dropping madripoor and seeing books in the background of new asgard and wakanda and having no significant through line connection to the greater mcu that makes him moving forward a a character of intrigue and i think that was a good and bold decision by the directors benson and moorhead um, but yeah, it is very much, uh, kind of middle of the pack for me for a lot of the reasons I already described.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I share a lot of the same sentiments when I look at where this does end up in my rankings, like where I kind of, how I do this is, you know, I try to break it down into tiers. I throw it in a tier, I think it fits. And then I work within those different movies and projects. Um, what this show did for me, mostly on a positive note um is introduce a new character into the MCU that I cannot wait to get more of. I think we have gotten more a more fleshed out origin story as far as like how much we know the character than maybe we ever have. You know, like we know so much about Stephen, we know so much about Mark, we care about every single one of their motivations at this point. And that's a really awesome thing that this show did, but where it falls in my rankings is uh, surrounding other projects, where you know the the maybe the plot wasn't as interesting as I wanted it to be, or maybe the action wasn't ex- as an exciting as I wanted it to be. There are flaws, but at the end of the day, I'm excited to see more of this character. There's more projects like that than not in the MCU, so it's going to fall in there for me as a you know uh, as far as like plot and story and villain specifically. I was really let down by the Arthur Harrow stuff. Um, you know all those different things. I think it is mid-tier. I think it's you know low, low mid-tier as far as just how interesting it was. But what bumps it up is how excited I am to see more of this character. I liken it to Eternals a lot in that way, where there were a lot of plot and story decisions that I didn't love in that movie. But at the end of the day, I can't wait to see more of these characters. So I think that's an accomplishment um, in a cinematic universe. Liam, here we go. Where are you ranking Moon Knight? In the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was hoping you can give me the two projects behind it,
2: where it falls, and then the two projects um, it is just behind itself. So it comes in at number 16 for me, which is wow. right. Up. This is overall, too. This is within all of Marvel's projects, both Disney yeah. Plus and Cinematic. Um, behind it's number 18 Captain America the First Avenger. A lot of fun uh, in that film, but not exactly a incredible story that that warrants being in like a top 10 number 17 eternals i i really enjoy that film um it's just it it's a really good story i feel like but suffers from being not the best mcu movie uh something that i know we've both uh spoken at large about and then with moon knight at 16 the two projects ahead of it uh number 15 black panther and number 14 the first iron man
0: nice nice yeah yeah that's I, I like the company it's in. You know, you're holding it in high standard, putting it with Black Panther and Iron Man, and in that little trio, definitely the, like as far as like those three, Iron Man, Black Panther, Moon Knight. Is, is there a pretty big gap between Black Panther and Moon Knight for you, or is it closer than you might think? There's a quality drop off between 15 and 16 for sure. tier break. Yeah, yeah, tier break. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, that's uh, that's I, I like when a project comes in at the top of a tier because you know that that you know it's not it's not everything I wanted to be, but it did a lot of great things. I like that. For you, Um, I am bringing it in at number 22. Um, Number 22 on the overall list, right behind it at number 24 is Ant-Man. And then Eternals right behind that as well at number 23. Again, two projects where the story and just kind of the energy behind the story and plot itself, not my favorite, you know, good, not great. But all the characters in Moon Knight, Eternals, and Ant-Man, all really you know just plant themselves on the roster I can't wait to see more of them in their second seasons um just above Moon Knight is Captain America the first Avenger um me and the boys on LTA we kind of I I had to ask you know their opinion where am I going to drop this um you know right behind first Avenger for me I think feels good because again that's another one where the story and the plot maybe you know aren't as great as other things but the character being introduced I'm excited to see more of Steve Rogers, and you know that's that's tough to beat. Um, and just above that, um, is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier at 20. So it goes Falcon, Winter Soldier, First Avenger, Moon Knight, Eternals, Ant Man for me. Um, and Moon Knight drops at number 22. Liam, within the series of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where does this drop for you compared to WandaVision, Hawkeye, Loki, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and what if? Uh,
2: disclaimer off the top. I enjoy just about everything that's been done on Disney plus aside from what if, uh, overall, I, I like individual episodes of what if it's hard to judge that as a full show because it is so serialized. It is so, um, anthology like, so what if is number six for me, but in terms of the live action shows, it does come in at number five behind Falcon, Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki and Hawkeye. The, the pure reason being enjoyment like i i have to judge this based on how giddy i was to wake up on wednesday mornings and falcon winter soldier every single friday i was like a kid on christmas you know i watched it once as a fan and then i watched it again before the podcast with that analytical lens wandavision i i remember you know it was right it was during my like two month winter break because of covid and it was the shining light in such a bleak you know start to 2021 Loki was incredible. The season finale happening on my birthday was so wild. And then Hawkeye too, just so many great moments, so many great small story world building moments uh, that somehow made a, a time when we were all thinking about Spider-Man so uh, valuable on Disney plus on the smaller screens. So Moon Knight, unfortunately at number five, and that's not to say like all I enjoy all these shows. I, I love all these shows, honestly love with the capital L, but the reality is my my buzz to wake up for it was not close to what it was for at least falcon wanda and loki those three were oh my god it's wednesday you know what that means moon night it was oh it's wednesday i'm I'm, yeah I'll, i'll check it out you know what i mean
0: absolutely um yeah i think i think you know for you just you know hearing your rankings the fact that you had 16 right 16 overall yeah the fact that your fifth favorite Disney Plus series comes in in your top 20, you know, closer to top 15, you know, one spot out from your top 15. I think that shows how high you are on the Disney Plus series as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. And I'm I'm the same way. I'm, I I have loved every single series except What If. And honestly, I rewatched episode one, episode four, and episode five of What If before Multiverse of Madness. All a blast. All an absolute blast to watch out of nowhere you know what i mean like you know having to sit down and watch it and review it that day maybe not as fun but just throwing it on you know a captain carter cartoon that was really fun for me um as far as where moon knight ranks on the list for me it comes in the same spot number five so it's wandavision hawkeye loki falcon winter soldier and then moon knight followed by what if so it's 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 Simply an energy thing for me. I think on my rankings, there's a teardrop after Falcon Winter Soldier to First Avenger, where there is just an emotional and conversational energy behind all of these Disney Plus shows except for Moon Knight. I think that the main, everything they do with the main character, I absolutely love. And I talked about that throughout the show. But, you know, episodes two through four uh, kind of go away from the Mark and Steven thing a little bit. And it just wasn't as interesting to me. And I was just waiting to get back to learn more about Mark and Steven, which we got in episode five, which I think we both agree is a top tier Disney plus episode overall. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's in the, the momentum of the show takes a hit when the first episode I loved the fifth episode I loved and everything in between, including the finale, good, not great for me. So it comes in at number five. So there it is guys Uh, top 20 for Liam, just out of my top 20, is Moon Knight, both number five on our series rankings. Liam, we gotta add one more. We're gonna keep going. Here we go. Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. We talked about the moving forward questions earlier with the characters, where we see everyone going. Liam, your final thoughts on the movie as a project, as an MCU project, as a Doctor Strange project, as the Sam Raimi
2: project, all these different things. What are your final thoughts? Dumb summer blockbuster fun. That's kind of the stamp I've been putting on this movie since it came out, since my first viewing of it, especially since my second viewing of it. And I, I hate to say it, but I like this movie less the more I think about it. And it's it's unfortunate, but again, uh, I had enjoyment. It, it's It's a worthwhile theatrical experience. This is a movie that I'm glad I saw in a theater with a giant bucket of popcorn and i'm glad I, I didn't see some of the surprises coming upon that first watch but upon that second watch when the surprises are out of the way and you're purely basing this movie based on quality alone and not just having nostalgia kind of inflate your perspective it's it's nothing you know remarkable for me i, I think it's a nice soft launch into the multiverse uh, a lot of people that i think were let down <laughs> i got a tweet in the drafts that i i'm hesitant to post because it is so negative, but this movie feels more like Dr. Normal in the two and a half universes of relative tranquility. Um, That's because, you know, this is not a deep dive into the multiverse because we're going back to it for the next decade of projects. And, you know, kind of just showing your entire hand in this movie, I think would have been a mistake in the long run. It would have been very easy to do in the short term and appease a lot of fans. But I think we're going to look back at this movie and appreciate that we kind of held back from going into different universes and really exploring them. Um, but in terms of the here and now, that's why it kind of falls very short for me. Um, and I'll, I'll give that number when the time is, time is right.
0: Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I can't tell you you're wrong in any aspects. It's really interesting that I feel like the way I'm looking at it is more how you look at projects and shows, whereas like that first experience means a lot. And the first time I saw this movie, two straight acts from the beginning all the way up until, I guess, Zombie Strange flying into Wonder Gore. You know, mm-hmm. all that, I was just agape. I was just shocked by everything going on. And that first experience was an absolute thrill ride. Obviously, the ending fell flat, which, you know, you don't leave the theater on the high that you spent most of the time in, but... That, that's really interesting that you know that first viewing seems to hold so much weight for me where usually that's your gig and um you know when I look at this movie and I again I talked about it with the guys on LTA a little bit I it's so conflicting for me because there's so many things I love and there's a lot of things I really really don't like hate's not the right word I'm not mad at it like I'm mad at Morbius which we didn't talk about by the way <laughs> um, but um it's it's so interesting I wrote down the three things I love the most and the three things I dislike the most in this movie. And every single one of them contradicts each other. It's crazy. I think this is an amazing WandaVision sequel. I think the progression is exciting and shocking. And uh, uh, what, what, what do things do to our expectations? Speculation expectations? No, uh, uh, subverting expectations. Mm-hmm. I think the WandaVision uh, sequelness of this is subverting expectations in a really awesome, exciting, energetic way but I don't think this is a good Doctor Strange sequel. The style, the tone, the vibes from 2016's Doctor Strange is nowhere to be found in this movie. The vibes here are sick, but the Doctor Strange vibes were interesting, so I don't think it's a good Doctor Strange sequel. I love how they handled the Illuminati universe in the multiverse. I love that we got to build that world out a little bit to make those cameos mean more than a cup of coffee, which is what I was worried about the most. And I think that was a really inspired choice to not make it an adventure multiverse thing, but a focused one. But I don't, I I actively hate actually how they didn't take any of the threads from Loki and use them here. They did not build on anything Loki did. I think that is a huge miss that could have brought... Some sort of um, emotional or even contextual interesting aspect to this movie that desperately needed right so not a great WandaVision sequel not a good strange sequel great use of the multiverse with the Illuminati not a good use of the multiverse from a world building standpoint, and then the energy and the pacing of this is unique it's hard to make pacing not just good but special. And I think that it does that in a really awesome Sam Raimi way. The good of Sam Raimi I love, the bad of the Sam Raimi I don't love because you lose the emotional weight on the end. Again, something this movie desperately needed. So it's a such conflicting one for me. But at the end of the day, I think it is a top tier villain in the MCU. I think that it is more fun than other MCU projects. However, those things are bringing this movie up as opposed to the bad things dragging this movie down, if that makes sense.
2: It makes complete sense. And the train of thought that I wanted to expand upon that I'd lost for a second, but okay. oh, you mentioned you mentioned the first viewing experience, which again, that is usually like my thing 100%. The reason why I think it didn't work for me here was because that first viewing experience to me is special when it's payoffs when it's, oh my God, the Falcon Winter Soldier finale, and you know, oh, that's the Black Falcon. Nah, that's Captain America. That's a payoff from episode two when the kid calls him Black Falcon in the street and he's like, nah, it's just Falcon. It's a payoff for when Isaiah sees his statue after seeing all the turmoil that he went through or hearing about it in early episodes. Everything in Endgame, the lines of dialogue, portals, you know, even just cheeseburgers at the funeral, like it's all payoffs. And that's what makes that first experience special for me here, the first experience was the fan service, and John Krasinski showing up as Reed Richards is an awesome moment upon the first time, but upon the second and third, it's like, oh, okay, you know, that's that's not like a fulfilling thing, and it kind of loses significance. When he's on screen, he debuts, and then he's gone after five or six lines of dialogue. Same thing with Captain Carter. Didn't really feel like a, a big payoff because, well, it was cool to see the the what-if translation, but because the suit is a little different. It's probably a different universe. And, you know, Professor X, I don't look at him. I never once looked at him in this movie of, oh, that's the Fox X-Men Professor X. I was like, this is a new Professor X, probably a continuation from the animated series. The the specialness of this first viewing was so rooted in fan service and not payoffs. And that's why the subsequent viewings are not as special. I'm not trying to regain that feeling because that feeling was so about the surprise factor and not about the fulfillment factor.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to me,
2: you know, where I'm at mentally with this because, you know,
0: two weeks ago, before we saw this movie, I'm so on your side, right. You know, how, how many times have I said, don't bring more new characters into the Illuminati make it faces. We knew I ended up, it ended up being besides probably just Wanda's, um, you know, how much they committed to Wanda here um besides that it's my favorite part of the movie and i'm just shocked by that because i was so sure i was gonna hate it and i just i look at those i look yes it's fan service 100 but fan service done well can be an amazing thing and i think because they root 838 um with so much um time equity and really the christine palmer character is there to explain the 838 universe and i think it works i just think you know she something I didn't realize until second watch was Christine Palmer's job is a multiversal scientist. Like, like that's her job in this universe. So the idea of an Illuminati being this OP and and then obviously Wanda comes in and shreds them. But um, I just, I, I appreciated the fan service because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was a cup of coffee. Um, It's, but again, that, that's the thing I thought I was going to hate the most. And that's why I think with this ranking, I started at the bottom. And brought it up when I started thinking about more things I liked about the movie, as opposed to a Spider-Man No Way Home, where I started at the top and brought it down every time I thought of something negative about the movie. And it's just interesting how it plays like that. Liam,
2: let's get, let's get a number out there. Where do you put this one? 34 projects. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes in at number 27 for me. Um, the bottom third and right behind it, at number 29, is Iron Man 2. And number 28 is the first Thor movie. And uh, right ahead but of it- But you're not king. you're not king. You're damn right. At number 26 is uh, Thor Ragnarok, which was actually bumped up as a result of this. Um, I realized I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok more than the first Thor movie after Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Funny how that works out. And uh, number 25, <laughs> uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Right on. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna love this conversation later. Um, uh, yeah, so 27,
0: 27, yeah, 27. All right, that's not as far off as you might think for my ranking. I bring it at number 22. Um, I squeeze it in just, and in, uh, so Moon Knight just came in at 22.
2: Now Multiverse of Madness comes in at 22. It bumps oh, Moon Knight oh, back one. Excuse me, where were we doing the movie ranking specifically for this one? Oh no, I have I have it on the movie rankings too. Right, no, no, no. This is thirty-four projects.
0: yeah series and movies. It comes in at twenty-seven for you. But how is it? Moon. How, moon
2: Knight was also twenty-two for you, right? Right, and now that I've brought Multiverse Madness in, Moon Knight goes back once to twenty-three. Oh, okay. This didn't affect my Moon night rank. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I
0: I I I ranked Moon Knight twenty-two, as if I hadn't ranked Multiverse Madness yet. Now I am. I see uh movie magically <laughs> uh yeah so it comes in number 22 it it comes in just ahead of moon Knight because um you know there are pro- i I have issues with both moon Knight and multiverse of madness i just think that great villain fun energetic pacing um you know some amazing fan service and you know we it's a doctor strange movie so it's just a little more interesting to look at moon Knight, at the end of the day does fall into that boring category for me a little bit that's a cardinal sin when we're talking about popcorn so um yeah just behind multiverse of madness at 24 is eternals and moon Knight at 23 multiverse of madness 22 captain america the first avenger at 21 falcon winter soldier at 20 so there it is uh both outside of our top 20 for multiverse of madness um it's we say all the time don't go into something thinking it's going to be the number one movie on your list because you're always going to be disappointed unless it is, but it rarely ever is. Right. You know, no way home seems to be an exception <laughs> at this point, but um, you know, this one, because of WandaVision, because of Loki, because of what if, because of no way home, this one felt like it warranted more event status than it got and I think that is an expectation. It, it's not expectations based on what you want, it's expectations based on what they're giving us, like the uh uh the aerospace engineer line in WandaVision. I think we're okay to be bummed out that that ended up being nobody because they played it like it was going to be somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think we we are okay to be bummed out multiverse madness isn't better because it was played like it was going to be a climactic event and it just simply wasn't Liam. As far as phase four goes, you know, so five um is this on the i guess we can expedite this a little bit is this on the bottom of your phase four list or is there does what if get behind it
2: oh no what if is is firmly number 11 on my phase four rankings and i don't see that changing anytime soon um and unfortunately black widow is number 10 so dr strange multiverse madness comes in at number nine out of 11 total projects
0: nice um i'm the exact same way um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, except for Moon Knight Eternals. I'm not the same way at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, so I have What If coming in at 11, Eternals coming in at 10, Moon Knight coming in at 9, and then Multiverse Madness coming in at 8 on my Phase 4 list. So it's interesting. Uh, as far as Phase 4, um, our boy over at the TheDirect.com, Nathan Johnson, he, he, he let us know in the chat the other day, or he tweeted it or something. He said that out of the 11 Phase 4 projects, like four of them are in his top five (laughs) or top eight or whatever. And then the rest are in his bottom 10. (laughs) Like there's nothing in between nine and 23 for Nathan (laughs) on these. It's crazy how that works. That's awesome. I love that kid's brain. That's so fun. Um, So yeah, guys, Monster vs. Madness Moon Knight have been ranked on our 34 project MCU list. Now let's dive in to the direct rankings for those who don't know. We pulled 17 different writers over on thedirect.com to rank their Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and then their Marvel Cinematic Universe shows. The reason I love this list so much, Liam, is because I've looked through the Internet. I'm a big rankings guy. I've looked. There is not a consensus ranking of writers or experts in this field. And it's weird to call us experts because, you know, we're just people who like comic book movies. But 17 people... Who write about this stuff, who were hired to give their thoughts and opinions because they are super fans about these things. 17 people gather their lists together and create one super list. That does not exist anywhere else on the internet. There is no consensus expert rankings for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's this website's, you know, this writer's opinion, this writer's opinion, Rotten Tomatoes box office, all these different rankings. This is the only one where 17 different quote unquote experts in the field rank it together. There are so many people, Liam included, who is not who are not going to agree with a lot on this list. And I don't agree with a lot on this list, but I think that the varying opinions of 17 people who are very embedded in this stuff make this one of the best lists to look at as far as how the mcu is ranked and what movies really do come to the top and come to the bottom liam what do you think you know am i I looking too much into it thinking that this is this is a consensus ranking like we've never seen before for the mcu i
2: i don't think you're looking too much into it i it's it's something very unique to the direct.com and it is nice to have the polarizing viewpoints because at the end of the day like I, I like to think that I have unique opinions, but they're not based on nothing. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not just like, oh, I, I feel like putting Falcon Winter Soldier in my top 10. That's that's because I genuinely feel that. I, right. I felt emotion with that series that I didn't feel for anything else in phase four. And, uh, you know, having that kind of variety among uh, the Direct.com's writers, I think is super, super valuable. Um, and it's what makes this, you know, list, the fact that you have 17 people for this specific one, I'm sure the next time we do rankings, even more people will be uh, weighing in their opinions. The fact that we have so much from across the spectrum, we have Pam Gores, who I know probably ranks Black Widow higher than anyone else. We have you who probably ranks WandaVision higher than anyone else. We have me who ranks Falcon Winter Soldier higher than anyone else. It allows for right. a nice, perfect balance as all things should be.
0: I, I think so too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just really excited because this is, kind of a you know once you take out the extremes of like you know this is my personal favorite this is my personal least favorite you know once that's kind of stripped away we kind of get to the core of you know the team's favorite movie so let's go through it really quick and then we'll dive into it a little bit more specifically um so the official direct.com rankings list 17 different experts voted where do you want to start 28 or one
2: of the movies yeah
0: let's count down Countdown, love it. So coming in at number 28, The Incredible Hulk. Coming in at number 27, Thor, The Dark World. 26, Thor. 25, Ant-Man and the Wasp. 24, Iron Man 2. 23, Captain Marvel. 22, Black Widow. 21, Eternals. 20, Ant-Man. 19, Iron Man 3. 18, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. 17, Captain America, The First Avenger. 16. Doctor Strange. 15. Age of Ultron. 14. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. 13. Spider Man Far From Home. 12. Shang-Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings. 11. Black Panther. 10. Iron Man. 9. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. 8. Thor Ragnarok. 7. The Avengers. 6. Spider Man Homecoming. 5. Captain America the Winter Soldier. 4. Spider Man No Way Home. 3. Captain America Civil War. Two, Avengers Endgame, and one, Avengers Infinity War. Liam, looking at this list, I just sent it to you in Slack. Mm -hmm. Try to pick something that we haven't really talked about a ton. So, like, you know, no Iron Man 3, no Falcon and Winter Soldier, no Thor Ragnarok. What is uh, one of your other biggest
2: differences on this list compared to your personal? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, definitely a lot higher than my personal, but that's also... I try to stress this with the Guardians movies. It's not that I don't like them. I, I, I enjoy them, but they don't hit as hard for me as they do for other people. So just sh- purely from an enjoyment standpoint, that's why it's in my 20s. But I, I very much respect anyone that has it as high as their top fives because the, the same way that I understand why Falcon Winter Soldier is, is in the 20s for some people. But for me, it just lands a little bit higher. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone uh, discredits there's there's a quality drop off for sure uh, among the different tiers. But I don't think anyone discredits that the MCU has a gold standard, but it's taken in in so many different ways per se. Um sure. in, in terms of stuff on this list that I take issue with, if even saying that, like that's that's weird to say, like I I thought I was going to be bothered a lot more than I actually am. Like Doctor Strange of 14 Multiverse of Madness that is is way too high, but the stuff behind it like Age of Ultron, I understand why people would enjoy Multiverse of Madness more. First Doctor Strange has less going on. It's a better movie than Multiverse of Madness, but it has That's it has fun. less it has less moments for people to enjoy. Um and yeah, like Iron Man 3, Eternals, uh, I think are great stories, but again, have less moments per se than Multiverse of Madness. Um yeah, I I really don't have many discrepancies here. Uh Winter Soldier, I'm nervous that it's going to be out of the top five the <laughs> next couple of years, which is yeah. unfortunate. I'm going to keep going to bat for it. It's, it's firmly my number one. But, um, yeah, this it, is a solid list. Like, I, I feel like when you factor in the shows, that's where I get a little more fisticuffs. Sure. Sure. And we're going to dive into this
0: list a little more and break it down into different categories. That's going to be really fun. My biggest discrepancy, also in the Guardians realm, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's 18 on the direct list. I have it at 11. Um, I just, I, I've, I've said it before about age of Ultron. I feel like the tide has turned. People are appreciating age of Ultron more and more after Endgame game, because a lot of the payoff of age of Ultron doesn't happen until Endgame, game, which is a really cool thing. Um, uh, so I've, I've kind of taken the most underrated label off of age of Ultron. I'm putting on guardians of the galaxy volume two. It's funny and emotional more than I, I think you can put it's comedy and emotion up against any other movie in the MCU. I really believe that. And then you add in just characters I really like and some really good performances across the board. And also just a James Gunn visual masterpiece in my humble opinion. I think Guardians is vastly underrated um, on our list. But again, that's what makes this list awesome is that it really does kind of separate the cream from the crop and let's uh, dive in. Actually, we should do the series list first. Um, The official rankings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe series by the direct dot com uh 15 people uh sent in their opinions on this one so 15 experts voted and the results come out as such WandaVision vision number one loki number two hawkeye number three moon knight number four falcon winter soldier number five and what if at number six liam let's just talk about it falcon winter soldier behind moon knight
2: i do not agree it's, yeah i me either like the 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 moments that happened in falcon like here's my biggest issue with with the rankings and how people enjoy it like it's not even an issue it's different strokes different folks right like some people are looking for the moments to happen and that's why i think so many people love and pedestal spider-man no way home and for good reason the moments are elite tier i don't even know elite is not a good enough word for it like it, it's something above elite the stuff that happens in no way home those the moments oh, no of all three, three yeah. peter parker's is that damn special. It's a cinematic achievement that's going to be championed for the next century of filmmaking. But at the end of the day, I think that the story of Spider-Man Home is a little wonky and goofy when you look at it on paper. The execution is almost better than how it is in a synopsis, which is very interesting. And I've often said too, that I think Spider-Man No Way Home is the best execution possible for bringing all three Spider-Men together. There very much was a ceiling for how you were going to be able to accomplish that. All the factors had to happen at the right time. We had to be having multiverse stuff happening concurrently with, you know, Doctor Strange and everything. Perfect execution for what it was going for. Um, But segueing that back to my my series talk, I, I find it odd that for people who value moments so much, Falcon Winter Soldier doesn't hit because it's chock full of moments I think we both agree that the story the the villains the the overall plot of this show is not the standout it's the character arcs of Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes it's the moments of Falcon suiting up in the Captain America suit it's the moments of the Dora Milaje showing up it's the moments of Bucky. <laughs> it's the cold open in Wakanda like this show is chock full of elite tier moments i'll say it like moments that i think would go on a top 30 mcu moments list and a, quite a lot of them the same way spider-man homecoming has like three in the top 10 with the the vulture moments and the come on spider-mans and the you know you can't trick me anymore from far from home and all that uh, It just it, it baffles me and i think again uh, people just need to re-watch that show myself included it, it's been too long. I've rewatched the Madripoor episode like four times. It's it's my it's my go to. Like oh, I'm doing work and I want to put something on in the background. Let's go to Madripoor. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I'll defend the show till the day I die. And uh, you know, I just I, I hope people will come to appreciate it down the line. Maybe maybe Captain America four season. Maybe that's when the tide turns. Sure.
0: Yeah. No. And and I think that's possible. Same thing with Moon Knight, by the way. You know, there's a very the ambiguity of Moon Knight has allowed it room to grow you know unlike some other shows um that we've seen um i have falcon wonder soldier above moon Knight as well not nearly as far above it as you do but for me it comes down to this i don't really like what they ended up doing with the villain in either show i think what they did with sharon carter was at the detriment to the show what they did with arthur harrow was just not utilizing a great actor and just a really creepy figure you've introduced like nothing really special happened with Harrow and I think that was a miss um I go back to it again the Moon Knight characters introduced amazing the character progression in Falcon Winter Soldier also amazing you know so that's kind of a wash there too where it comes down for me the reason I think Falcon Winter Soldier needs to be above Moon Knight it's simply the action. I know that's a silly thing to base a ranking on, but there's there's action in Falcon Winter Soldier. There's really not a ton of it in Moon Knight. And I know like you don't need action to make a movie good. The Moon Knight character breeds itself toward action, and I think that they just kind of dropped the ball on that a little bit. Um, I also have Hawkeye above Loki um, in a pretty significant way on my rankings, and it's flip flopped here on the direct rankings. But I do love seeing WandaVision there at the top, um, and uh, honestly. All five of these shows have been just great. I, I really think they've been great. And Moon Knight is my least favorite, and I still really enjoyed Moon Knight. So I'm excited for Ms. Marvel coming up to add to this ranking. We're going to hop back over to the movies, guys. We're going to focus on the movies for the rest of this conversation. Liam, I'm going to go through, and I will tell you how the direct.com has ranked origin stories in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Spider-Man Homecoming at number one. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 at number two, Iron Man at number three, Shang-Chi at number four, Um, Doctor Strange at number five, Captain America the First Avenger at six, Ant-Man at seven, Eternals at eight, not Black Widow, Uh, Captain Marvel at nine, Thor at ten, The Incredible Hulk at 11. Is there anything there that stands out to you? And if you don't have one, I have one.
2: Uh, Thor is a better origin story than Captain Marvel, far more interesting. And uh, sure, it's a little bit more boring. It's not as flashy. But uh, Captain Marvel is just, to me, she's super powerful at the start. And then she gets even more powerful. I'm really hoping for a more dynamic character arc from her in uh, the Marvels. I have a lot of a lot of high expectations for that movie strictly because they got Naya DaCosta, who is a very accomplished filmmaker. And I couldn't even tell you the names of the, the directing duo that did the first Captain Marvel movie. Um, other than that, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, I, I I don't even want to say underrated, but coming in at number four is is really great for a, a team consensus ranking. But I have seen people, um, I believe it's the best origin story the MCU has done if we take homecoming out of the conversation because Technically, he was introduced in, in Civil War. If we're talking about our flat-out introduction, I think Shang-Chi is above our Iron Man's and our Cap First Avengers. Uh, but Homecoming, you know, that's number four on my overall rankings list. I adore that movie, and it gets better with every rewatch, which is very, very rare. I forgot to include Black Panther as an origin story.
0: So I guess we could take Black Panther and uh, Homecoming out of this list, true origin story. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm gonna do that so going back over it again because this is great audio, I'm sure. Uh, number one, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, number two, Iron Man, number three, Shang-Chi, number four, Doctor Strange, number five, Captain America the First Avenger, number six, Ant-Man, number seven, Eternals, number eight, Captain Marvel, number nine, Thor, and number ten, The Incredible Hulk. Um, on that Thor Captain Marvel comment, I have Captain Marvel two spots ahead of thor on my movie list um simply because i mean thor
2: starts off that movie powerful and it's more powerful as well um but i After just think Marvel that let go through a hero's journey though like he takes so he he has his powers taken away like well, yeah strong-
0: but- you know what i
2: mean yeah,
0: yeah but she goes through more of an identity journey you know it's it's a it's a it's a different kind of hero's journey you know what i mean it's a who am i kind of thing i, I I'm, I'm not here to like stand on I have it two spots higher I'm not standing on the soapbox for Captain Marvel I do think that the energy and just pacing of that movie does bring it above Thor Thor again kind of falls into boring a little bit at times um do you remember who directed Thor Kenneth Branagh Kenneth Branagh man that's such a cool thing I love that Kenneth Branagh is an MCU director that makes me so happy all the time death of the Nile better than what <laughs> I thought a it was gonna ship. be
2: full of Asgardian families.
0: <laughs> it's so good, man. Oh, what a moment. Um, Shang-Chi coming at number three is pretty amazing stuff. You mm-hmm. know, and, and look at the two movies that's behind, Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. Two game-changing projects in the MCU as far as style and tone and setting the mold for what's to come. For Shang-Chi to fall only behind those two, such an awesome thing. Shang-Chi is just such a great movie. And Shang-Chi is really what makes me feel good about phase four because obviously spider-man no way home top five project for me um wandavision top 10 project for me the fact that shang chi and hawkeye both for me get into my top 12 um you know phase four has been on a roll it's had a few bottom tier you know bottom third projects but you know it's also produced some great stuff sequels liam we're going to move over to sequels real quick the second movie of a trilogy or the second movie of a franchise is how I'm going to, going to define sequels in this one. So here we go. Captain America, the Winter Soldier coming at number one. Duh. Um, going next, Spider-Man Far From Home at number two. Huge gap without any sequels. Um, it, uh, just on that real quick. Winter Soldier at five. Far From Home at 13. No sequels in between those, which is pretty crazy. Multiverse of Madness at number three. Age of Ultron at number four. Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2 at Five, Iron Man 2 at six, Ant-Man and the Wasp at seven, Thor Dark World all the way at eight at 27. I want to talk about that real quick. The gap on this list between Winter Soldier and Far From Home with no sequels in between. You know, is there anything that stands out to you about that? We have, you know, Homecoming, Avengers, Ragnarok, Guardians, Iron Man, Black Panther, Shang-Chi in between those two sequels.
2: Yeah, this this is kind of an enlightening moment to me because. I does the MCU have a have a second movie problem? I know a lot of people talk about the Good finales question. of Disney Plus being hit or miss. For me, they've they've all been hits uh, in in varying levels. Um, you know, some made me cry, some made me fist pump, some made me terrified, and some made me smile at the end. But yeah, I, I look at my personal list, and I don't believe I have a second film between Winter Soldier and Far From Home. But the difference is my gap is between one and 21 so that's crazy to me um yeah wow okay does the mcu have a second movie problem and i'm not gonna lie i think it might be exemplified with our most recent mcu installment in in thor uh sorry uh dr strange yeah that's wow that's that's a, a layer that's a layer that's a filter we put on this list to to, to differentiate these projects that i never considered before and mm-hmm. i don't think anyone's disagreeing that cap winter soldier is miles and miles above in quality compared to other second installments
0: yeah i mean um you know i think far from home is great i think multiverse of madness has you know shines of greatness in it and you know it's definitely one of the more fun mcu movies i don't think anyone's gonna deny that at any point um but yeah that gap is crazy it it speaks to phase three a lot i think you know just because phase three has so many bangers but looking at phase two where not the majority but a lot of the more important sequels in the mcu dark world um winter soldier um i guess that's it (laughs) take place Uh, phase two has only two projects in the top half on the direct.com rankings and everything else falls below that halfway mark at 14 and uh, that's pretty crazy to think about winter soldier uh, head and heels above everybody else but um, an interesting thing about winter soldier as we move on to our next uh, little segment here um, I said top three bottom three but I'm really going to make it top six um, I want to point out something about Winter Soldier. The top three on the rankings: Infinity War, Endgame, Civil War, and then at four is No Way Home. And then between No Way Home and Winter Soldier, we get our biggest gap in voting: two point two points difference between No Way Home and Winter Soldier on the rankings. Winter Soldier still falls in at five, but um, it is farther away from No Way Home than any other two projects are distance from each other. So I think that does speak to the event movie appeal a little bit which is you know always exciting but um i I found that really interesting that you know by the numbers there is a tear break between no way home and winter soldier
2: yeah it it is i i noticed that too when i when i send in my movie rankings the Mm -hmm. the gap in terms of where it fell overall with group consensus and yeah it's odd to me i i think no way home and winter soldier are at least you know overall rankings on par quality wise um and I do have it above, but again, you know it, it does lack some of the moments that No Way Home possesses.
0: I would so I would so firmly put No Way Home and Winter Soldier in the same tier. I have No Way Home one spot above Winter Soldier, but I have it's so close to me that I was just shocked at the discrepancy when everybody got together and vote Liam. I'm going to read the top six to you straight up, and then I want you to think of who directs these movies, okay? Mm-hmm. Infinity War, Endgame, Civil War, No Way Home, Winter Soldier Homecoming. Watts and the Russos. Watts and the Russos own the top six on the direct ranking list. That is an incredible thing. Obviously, Spider-Man being John Watts guy is going to move him up the rankings inherently. But, I mean, you look at Far From Home, down on that halfway mark at 14. So it isn't just because Spider-Man's in it. Those movies are that good. And then you look at the Russos who took on Winter Soldier and then took on three essentially Avengers projects and dominated every single one. I think that's a really awesome thing that um the mcu found two two directing how would you even say that because there's one duo and another director
2: i didn't want to say two sets of directors because that's not it found two two collection no because he's just one And John Watts and the Russo brothers, the MCU
0: found some directors. They found some directors that just owns their top six. And I think that's an awesome thing that they're able to do. And it sprinkles around a little bit. You know, you got a phase four project, four phase three projects, obviously Infinity War and Game Part One, Part Two, and um, a phase two project with Winter Soldier. I also want to look at the bottom three, Liam. Thor, Thor, The Dark World, and The Incredible Hulk. I look at those numbers and I see... Marvel not getting their formula dialed in yet.
2: Yeah, I, I have to agree. I can only name one of those three directors, that being Kenneth Branagh. Uh, I don't remember who directed Thor The Dark World. And I know whoever directed The Incredible Hulk is doing Fast and Furious. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> a, that's about it. Uh, he did Transporter too, so good for him. Um, but yeah, it, again, it, those three movies. I, I'm going to say that Thor The Dark World fits in with the Marvel vibe personally. Um if you rewatch that movie it feels like an MCU movie Thor the dark world and this don't hear what I'm not saying here Thor the dark world feels more MCU than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that feels more yeah. Sam Raimi if if that makes any sense um but Thor 1 and the Incredible Hulk do feel outside and yeah i i think that is a a marvel formula issue per se yeah the incredible hulk specifically you know it it wasn't
0: an MCU movie because they they made Iron Man and that became the blueprint for what an MCU movie is. And the Incredible Hulk didn't get a chance to capitalize on that. Even though it's better than people think. How do you rank Thor, Thor the
2: Dark World, and the Incredible Hulk? Uh, Thor of the Dark World <laughs> comes in at number 17. Uh, Thor 1 <laughs> comes in at 23. And the Incredible Hulk at 27 on my movie rankings, not overall. Yeah,
0: yeah. on mine, I have... Um, a, those, Those are also my bottom three movies, Thor, Dark World, and The Incredible Hulk. But I have it arranged as Thor, Incredible Hulk, and then Dark World coming in at last for me on the rankings. And Liam, here's the fun part. Here's the part I was really excited about. This or that. You know what I mean? You know, He turned 13 and grew fins. Um, (laughs) uh, So what I did here, guys, is I looked through this list and I found the closest gap between two movies so the gap between no way home and winter soldier at 2.2 points the biggest gap as far as voting i found the closest gap between two movies and i was just hoping we can kind of compare contrast talk about each let's start at the top avengers endgame and captain america civil war separated by 0.1 point. One vote i on you know the either side of this if one person votes civil war ahead of endgame in this it flip-flops Liam, between Endgame and Civil War, where do you have those ranked?
2: Ooh, uh, I have Endgame above Civil War, and by how many spots? Uh, Endgame comes in four, uh, three spots. I don't know how math works. Endgame is my number two. Civil War is my number five. <laughs> and I just think it's a better movie. Um, Civil War, I, I enjoy a lot of the first and second act, and then when they kind of – make it more intricate for the third act. I think that's nice for the Captain America and Iron Man story portions of it. But I enjoyed the United Nations world encompassing aspect of Civil War a little bit more. While on the other hand, Avengers Endgame takes the momentum from acts one and two and amplifies it to 15 for the third act. And I I will never have a theater experience quite like that again. Absolutely. No,
0: and it, it was the Super Bowl of comic book movies, you know, it's what made comic book movies a sporting event, and that's a pretty cool thing. Um, I personally have Civil War at three and Endgame at seven, so not, not only am I flip-flopped, I got a four-spot gap between the two. Um, you know, Endgame obviously is just so much payoff, so much fan service done right, all these different things. I think that Endgame I look at it so much as a part 2 to Infinity War. Like like I have a hard time not looking at that as a part 1 part 2 story. I wish we could rank them as one movie. Um and it would just be the the ultimate number 1. But um the thing about Endgame, there's nothing I don't like about Endgame. It's simply just the idea that you know, you can't you cannot be excited about anything that happens in Endgame without All these other movies doing what they did. Infinity War, primary of that fact. Captain America Civil War, yes, has the same vibe. They were able to make that such an interesting movie. I don't like it when people say that Civil War is ranked higher simply because all the Avengers are in it. They make that such a compelling and interesting story, even though it is just all the characters together at once. They find a way to make that not just good, great. And um, it comes in at number three for me um same as the direct list um the next one we have at number eight and nine thor ragnarok and guardians of the galaxy volume one separated by just half a point um liam i know both of these are really low on your list but they're close on your list as well um what do you have above the other and why
2: how about that uh guardians is 25 to ragnarok 26 so they are they are uh, close to each other. They're next to each other. I'm going to go first Guardians. Um, I remember that theater experience a lot more positively than the first time I saw Thor Ragnarok. Um, seeing Thanos with an extended scene for the first time was awesome. Um, every name drop of Thanos was like, man, this boy's coming. This is cool. And yeah, it was, it was a fun. Uh, Ronin was great. Uh, the world building was awesome. Getting to be off Earth for a, an entire MCU movie for the first time was super neat. So yeah, I'm going to go Guardians. Um, but honestly, a, a little bit more of a toss-up than you'd think for me personally.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, and, and uh, these are two very similar style movies. I'm not surprised that they fall back-to-back on the direct rankings. Um, they do play heavy into the cosmic colors. They do play heavy into the music. They do play heavy into the comedy and fun of it. Um, I have Guardians at two. <laughs> it's not going to be a shock to anybody. Um, I have Guardians at number two on my list and Ragnarok at number eight, two movies I absolutely love. The reason I have such a discrepancy is because I think everything Thor Ragnarok brings to the table as far as energy, visuals, music, just overall vibe of the entire movie, I think it's just such an amazing experience, comedy, acting, um, all of those things I also see in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then you throw in the hyper-emotional story plot of uh Chris Pratt, uh, Peter Quill and his mom, Peter Quill and uh, uh, his team, you know, we're losers, you know, that the loser speech, I think hits so much harder for me than um, I ever remember every time I watched that movie. So everything Ragnarok has, I think guardians has add in a so emotional plot that I just, I, I correlate with so well, you know, being able to base a movie around the emotion of music, like that's so made for me and i love that and i think that's a really awesome thing uh moving on down list a little bit a little more mid-tier um level here okay i had one highlighted i'm gonna go to a different one two origin stories coming in at number 16 and 17 doctor strange versus captain america the first avenger and what's really interesting about this they're back to back here on the direct rankings two straight up origin stories one set in phase one one set in phase three. So, one set when they were just getting their feet behind them, uh, under them, rather. And then one set where Doctor Strange was, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly the beats they needed to hit. We just need to make it interesting. And they ended up doing that. So, between Doctor Strange at 16 and uh, First Avenger at
2: 17, how do you rank those? I'm going to go First Avenger. Uh, first Avenger comes in at 18 for me on my overall rankings, on my movie rankings, 13 to Doctor Strange is 18 and uh yeah i just i enjoy it more it, it's it's fun it's it moves <laughs> the the pacing of that movie is is very quick um i because I, I re-watched it over winter break and i just remember being like oh wow like this is you know coming off like an end game Rewatch this thing is like beep 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 here we go and uh yeah the first doctor strange movie uh for me i enjoy i had a good time with it but uh it being just less of my style that's that's basically kind of what it is like i don't think these these are very arguably the similar in quality but i'm more of the captain america side of the mcu the street side of the mcu and dr strange is more the mystical side and i just i i have not less enjoyment in it but you know i i just have so much more enjoyment with the street level stuff
0: yeah no and and that this is where preference is going to really play in here and again another reason i love this list preference kind of gets weeded out between oh do you like mystical or do you like More ground and pound. And you know, we can go through this list next week, even if we wanted to, and picked out, you know, do more cosmic movies get higher on the list or do more grounded stories get higher on the list? And that's really interesting. For me, they are back to back on my rankings at what as well at just like the direct.com has them ranked at 16 and 17. Uh Doctor Strange is 16, First Avenger at 17. Um, First Avenger, admittedly, along with Winter Soldier, are probably the two movies I've seen the most in the MCU. I don't think I've watched any two movies on this list more than those two movies, just because I do love the Captain America trilogy so much. Um, I told you this a few months ago. I think I need to stop watching Captain America stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting burnt out. The more I watch First Avenger, the less I like it, just because I've seen it so much. Whereas Doctor Strange, I find something new to love about that movie every time I watch it. Um, rather, and, and you know, the story, the characters, all those things are great. The production of Dr. Strange, I think, is so nuanced. Every single music cue and spell that they use and visual callback has a meaning behind it, as opposed to the Looney Tunes music fight we got in Multiverse of Madness, which was undoubtedly cool. No one is ever going to say that's not cool. There was no meaning behind it, as opposed to Dr. Strange, where every cool thing they do also has meaning. Um, So, yeah, uh, Dr. Strange, uh, I, I have it ranked just like the website does, which is cool um liam our last one i just realized i'm not unhighlighting these for you which is <laughs> a wild move by me after spending so much time doing so um i don't even know how to do that um our last one is a not two not three four four different projects coming in um right around the same range and we're just going to rank them with each other black widow coming in at number 22, Captain Marvel at 23, Iron Man 2 at number 24, and Ant-Man and the Wasp at 25. A project from each phase here, except for phase two. So not a project from each phase at all, really. <laughs> but two phase threes a phase one and the first phase four project, Liam, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Iron Man 2, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. How do you have those rings?
2: I go Black Widow at my personal number 15, Iron Man wow. 2 at my number 24, Ant-Man and the Wasp at 26, and Captain Marvel at 28. And what a guess. Yeah, Black Widow, I remember very much enjoying that on the first watch, and it only has been one watch, so I'll have to check it out. It's been a minute. Um, Yeah, I remember that movie, kind of the, the worst parts of it being the third act, which is, kind of funny because um i feel like marvel had a third act problem in phase one resolved it in phase three and maybe we're back to that third act problem here in phase four between multiverse of madness and black widow and i know a lot of people sour on eternals and even people i i disagree with the shang chi rhetoric of of it having a mediocre third act but it does get a lot you know it gets a little busy so i understand where people are coming from so yeah, uh, Black Widow, I think the only reason that it's, it's held back for me is because of its third act, but yeah, surprisingly higher on my list than, than probably a lot of people have it, um, that being at number 15, which is weird because in my phase four rankings, it's below Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, but here it's above it in my movie rankings, and I don't that does contradict to a degree, but I think it's like I look at categories differently. You know what I mean? Like there are some origin stories that I enjoy more in an origin story category. But then when we go overall, they shuffle around a little bit. So I don't know, different lenses. Yeah, no, I, I I'm i with you. Um,
0: Just to piggyback off
2: that with Black Widow,
0: I think Black Widow has the Iron Man 3 problem for me, where because these movies do have to play a part of a bigger universe it's a challenge it's a negative to a lot of extents but when they make it work they make those movies that much more special check out the fact that our top four are all event movies um the thing with black widow is i just think that man that should have been released in 2016 like like you know it's it's just unfortunate for the movie that it does things with a character we know is already dead so it just loses a little bit of sting obviously it brings in yelena who we both love Um, Liam, I, I like to think I have bold opinions on some things here at uh, the MCU rankings. I have Age of Ultron in my top 12. I have Guardians of the Galaxy at number two. I have Homecoming above Winter Soldier. I, uh, um, I have Endgame at seven. However, once we get to the bottom of the list here, number 22 through 28 are exactly the same as my rankings. Mm-hmm. I I have it ranked just like the Direct.com does at Black Widow at 22, Captain Marvel at 23, Iron Man 2 at 24, and uh, Ant Man and the Wasp at 25. Um, so I don't really have a lot to say as far as like these rankings versus how I see them ranked. I do think these all fall into a great tier together, and it's back to that tier. Um, actually, you know what? I do think that the, there is a tier drop between Iron Man 2 and Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, um, just simply because Ant-Man and the Wasp has the same problem that Captain Marvel does is that, man, we were just ready for endgame. You know what I mean? It's, it, it was a look-ahead game for all of us with Ant-Man of the Wasp and Captain Marvel. Um, I think Black Widow, Captain Marvel, and Iron Man 2 all introduce characters that I absolutely love uh, or can't wait to see more of. Obviously, Iron Man 2 introduces Black Widow. And um, so that's something that can't be forgotten. Black Widow, Yelena Belova, and I really like Captain Marvel. Uh, Brie Larson and also just hey young Nick Fury can't hate that Um, so I think that that's really interesting for me personally that my bottom six are the same as the website but ladies and gentlemen that has been our rankings discussion you know what guys don't don't you know think that you're going to be rude don't don't be a stranger me and Liam want to see your ranking so if you're listening to this right now and you have a strong opinion about your rankings, or you just want me and Liam to look at your rankings and tell you what we think, please send them over to us at Liam T. Crowley or at Matt Rimke, R-O-E-M, B as a boy, K-E. We'll be back here on July. I'm going to call it 14th. I'm pulling up a calendar right now. But uh, so a week after Thor, yeah, July 13th. Um, unless we move it to a Friday, we will be having our next rankings episode where we will be placing Mist Marvel and Thor Love and Thunder, another double entry into the MCU rankings list. Very exciting. We probably won't dive into the nitty gritty as much unless something crazy happens. Um, but until next time, we'll see you then. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a quick question. That was all the news from the universes. You love that was a box office breakdown. And that was, A full blown rankings discussion, and that was an episode, ladies and gentlemen. Episode ninety of the Direct Podcast. Liam, we are ten episodes away. Do you have any idea what we're gonna do for one hundred? It's gotta be something special, right? (laughs) Right. Um,
2: I don't know. Maybe
0: another three features episode.
2: Huh? Maybe. Yeah. Play the hits. Get get some guests on. Yeah, do a few drafts.
0: You know, I love when we can do more than one draft, you know, because then I'm stress the whole day. Which is really <laughs> good time. Guys, thank you so much for following along. We cannot do this without you. We are so excited for the community we've grown here, and we just want to keep it going. So be a friend, tell a friend. If you have anybody you know that uh, loves this stuff as much as we all do, please let them know where to find us. We would love to chat with them as well. Please send over your rankings um, over on Twitter. And you know what? If you're listening to this at this right here, right now, you deserve it. If you send our if you send your rankings to both me and Liam on Twitter, you'll be entered into a contest to win a Miss Marvel Funko Pop. Boom, the direct hitting you right where you need it. Liam, we do have other interests out of the universes you love. What do you got for the people this week as far as a weekly recommendation?
2: I'm just gonna reiterate what I said earlier about. Um, having an open mind when it comes to stuff getting translated into uh, live action or just film in general. I was super, super let down by all the hate surrounding Leah Jeffries, who's been cast to play Annabeth Chase in the Percy Jackson series. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with the books, she is the female lead. She is the daughter of Athena. And in the books, like I said, she's written as a Caucasian blonde. Uh, Leah Jeffries is black and has black hair, I believe. They, Who knows if they'll dye it? Walker Scobell has blonde hair and Percy's described as having black hair in the books. And again, maybe they dye the character's hairs, who knows? But the point is, um, it took a trending hashtag to to turn things around, uh, that being hashtag Leah is our Annabeth. And it shouldn't have to take that. Uh, we We should be supportive right out the gate. Uh, same thing happened with Zochi Gomez getting a lot of hate uh, strictly for playing her character who is lesbian in the comics and who is hinted at as likely being lesbian in Dr. Strange. A lot of people who unfortunately had Dr. Strange banned in their countries because uh, they don't agree with some of the themes in the movie uh, were attacking Zochi Gomez. It's not her fault. She's just playing the character. Uh, it's, it's how it's written. And uh, yeah, just have more of an open mind because uh, being closed minded, uh, all that hate, uh, it's not going to keep you warm. It's going to burn you up. And, uh, let's just enjoy these things. They're not going to be direct translations. Um, and that's okay. That's fun. You know, I, I, if Percy Jackson was a beat for beat, uh, translation of the books, what fun is there for me to have? I already know how, how everything happens, you know, for Matt, it'll be fun because he doesn't know the stories of the books, but like, you know, we got to make some alterations. We got to take liberties and, I'm all about it. So hashtag Leah is our Annabeth. Shout it from the rooftops. Uh, and spread love, not hate. It's much more fun that way.
0: Love it. I love that. And weirdly enough, Liam, you kind of stole mine. Um, I was going to, not. it's not spread love, not hate. It's simply, guys, we have so much in our lives that are tough. Jobs, relationships, money. Um, you know, so many things can trip you up, cause stress and bring down aspects of your life. If there are influences in your life that are negatively impacting you that don't need to be there, a friend that you, that, you know, if you, if you have friends out there that you think negatively impact your life, this isn't middle school anymore. You don't have to be friends with everybody, you know, so, you know, take steps in your life to make sure you're surrounding yourself with the people that make you the best person that you are. And if you have somebody in your life, that is um, maybe making you more of an angry or upset person than you'd like to be, find a way to filter them out. You know, don't, don't just go out and start telling people to fuck off. But if there's somebody in in your life negatively impacting you, make a change and surround yourself with people who love you and people who support you um, over everything else, for sure. Liam, if we recap the Percy Jackson series, when it comes out, if we're still doing this thing, when that series comes out can i have a series that we recap as well of course awesome i don't know what fast that's gonna X, be maybe it's kind of tech like- yep that's exactly what it's gonna be our fast X movie review is gonna be awesome can't wait for it lane's gonna have to rewatch all the movies <laughs> that's gonna be fun dude it's gonna be so fun yeah
2: you have i'm to. not i'm not i'm not against <laughs> it. it's dumb summer blockbuster fun you know it started as revolutionary
0: street racing content okay It really was. It was awesome. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Direct Podcast. Please make sure to join us next week. We'll see you then. I saw her face i'm a believer and not a trace of doubt in my mind i'm in love
1: i'm a believer i couldn't leave her if i tried i don't know why i just realized same energy same so energy sorry. i am so sorry <laughs> oh, that was just a warm-up My my uh Oh, I'm vocal go, cords just... like this <laughs> i'm sorry i'm uh
2: david i'm so sorry i'm terrible it's okay we'll run it back it's gonna be okay this is
1: what happened oh, with my article how did okay. i
2: forget god damn it okay we so haven't done that a very 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 long time it's been it was richard Nevin's on a draft where he i forget what it was but well over a year ago i feel like well over a year ago yeah
1: we're All right, we're going to run it back, baby. Let's go. Let's go.
0: <laughs> All right, three, two, one.